Welcome to episode 218 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over there in Oakland, California. He's done his civic duty. He's already voted. His name is Randy Michael Stapp. That's me. I voted this time. How you feel, Randy? You feel like an American citizen? Yeah, I guess it was all right. Had a nice walk a couple blocks down the street and had to find where the box was. But yeah, it was good. Now, Randy, did you vote in the year 2016? I did not, no. I think I was the only person in our circle that voted in 2016. (laughs) Really? I think you're right. Yeah, which makes me the responsible one. I'm sorry, when was the last time you filed your taxes? That doesn't matter. (laughs) That's it, okay? See, y'all are suckers for doing that, okay? I've got my system, and my system rocks. Okay. And my newly elected president of Kanye West. He's not even running for president. I know. it's my, it's. my. I don't understand the Kanye thing. Like on California, he didn't make all the, the states, right? What is wrong with him? He's saying he's running for president. He's clearly running for vice president. In California, he's on the ticket as vice president. Yeah. And then Rocky De La Puerta is president. I don't know who that is. Randy, do you know who Mr. Rocky De La Puerta is? No, I didn't know who anybody else was besides the two that we have. Yeah, Kanye's running for VP in the California ticket. But what are you going to do? So, uh, yeah, as uh, we're recording this the night before the election, uh, this episode airs two days after the election. (laughs) My guess is that we still don't know. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mentioned that in the meat and potatoes episode. Who knows? Uh, hopefully, um, we still have a country by Thursday uh, when this episode is aired. That's that's my hope, is that we haven't burned and pillaged, and we are just not a burning ember of a corpse of a country, which we're already getting there. But I think if we can just learn to love one another... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Joining us on the show this week, um, very excited uh, to have Tyler Cornick on the show, the writer, director, star, producer, composer of... Oh, oh, spoiler, huh? (laughs) Antagonist of Butt Boy, a motion picture that came out uh, earlier this year, uh, which I have championed and then uh, got uh, pretty much everyone else on board uh, with this movie. Tyler, Tyler's great. Um, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, the guy super talented. I mean, honestly, we, we told him to go fuck himself when we found out that he did the music <laughs> for this movie as well. It's so good. We're like, dude, who did the music? He's like, yeah, I, I did the music. I don't really like talking about it. It was like... Go fuck off, honestly. <laughs> like share sh- share some of that talent, but um, but boy's great. Tyler's incredible, and uh, just a fantastic talk uh, with him. So stay tuned for that. Um, but before we do all that, before we get to any of the proceedings, Oksana Valerianovanamanama Osachi has some things to tell us about in terms of what's coming out this week. Well, firstly, I'd like to say. But Boy is available now on Amazon Prime, so check that out. Indeed. So this Friday the 6th, The Dark and the Wicked hits VOD and limited theaters. It's another RLJE feature. It's... The Dark and the Wicked? What are you talking about? My bowel movements away? Gross. <laughs> Thank it's, you. Uh, no, because this... It is one, gross, because your this, bowel movements need to be a nice milk chocolate brown. Let me just cut you off completely. <laughs> 
this one currently has a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes with 94 reviews. I'm sorry. Whoa. 49. Don't know what happened. Oh, uh, dyslexia happened. That's what happened, sister. <laughs> Whoops. That's still a lot. So 96%. Randy, what's that? About a three and a half for you? <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. <laughs> the synopsis is um, plagued by waking nightmares. Two siblings suspect that something evil is taking over their family farm. Sorry. Taking over their family at an isolated farmhouse. I shortened it and I shouldn't have. It's fine. Um, it's written and directed by Brian De Palma. Bertino. <laughs> Ooh, close. Who also wrote and produced The Strangers Pray at Night. And he produced The Black Coat's Daughter. He also worked on the first Strangers movie, which I have yet to see. (laughs) I prefer the second. Yeah, so that's going to be out Friday the 6th. I'm extremely excited about that one. Also out on the 6th, a feature we watched at the Chattanooga Film Festival. You liked more than I did, Clark. Coco Day. That's the best movie of the festival. Um, it's limited theaters. I, I believe it's going to be streaming in December. Oh, hell yeah. Um, the synopsis was very long. It's it's like Groundhog's Day in, in the woods. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's like a... Coco Day, Coco Day. Yeah, it's, it's a good song. How about uh, best, best theme song. Is there more to End of sentence. <laughs> Um, also this Friday the 6th Kindred hits theaters and VOD it's um, it sounds a little bit it's reminiscent of Rosemary's Baby it's a okay the synopsis is plagued by also plagued by (laughs) mysterious hallucinations a pregnant woman suspects the family of her deceased boyfriend have intentions for her unborn child Spooky. Very Rosemary's Babies esque. Yeah. Um, that so that'll also be out on Friday six. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one, find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not any of my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hours available on Facebook is the Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hours available on Instagram is the Overlook Theater. And the Overlook Hours available on Twitter is the Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy. That was a, a pretty good take this week. I don't think you messed that one up. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've done also, I was hoping we would be able to finish recording before nine, and we just made it. Just, I mean, just a butt boy hair away from doing it. <laughs> um, also, heads up, um, while we're talking to Tyler and uh, the film, uh, talking about butt boy, we do go into spoiler territory. So I do want to put that uh, disclaimer up top that uh, at the behest, at the insistent behest of one Russell John Fisher. He wanted to spoil Butt Boy, so uh, we did. So please watch the film before you do. As Miss Osachi told us, it's all available on Amazon Prime now, so do it. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. It's not any of my business what you do on your own personal time. For Russell John Fisher, Randy, <laughs> Michael, Stat, Oksana, Valeria, Neva, Osachi, I'm Clark, William, Little. Until episode 219, 
Have fun, lollipops. You get it? Because I was in the cemetery and they weren't dead. It might have been King Cobra, actually. Or they weren't dead. He did a Halloween video. Again with the Cobra? <laughs> <laughs> he did a... Hey, I, I have terrible facial hair right now because of King Cobra, so... Randy, did you heard about this? <laughs> Russell, he, he shaved. I haven't, no. Is there pictures? Can I see it online? Yeah, he, uh, he kind of looks like a Armenian arms dealer. <laughs> I'm done with that. That's a cool vibe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it works for me. What do you, what do you think, creepy? I don't know. I, I could also see like a, a Serbian nightclub bouncer. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Now get out of here. All go right, in the bye, hole. guys. Yeah. I, uh, if you go on Instagram, there's a picture of me with a, <laughs> with a terrifying Pennywise and a, uh, who the fuck else was in that picture? I don't know. Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> this week's two sentence horror story brought to you by Crunchy Man Six from Reddit. Yeah, he's a homie. Dot in a, com. The subreddit of a uh, two sentence horror stories. <laughs> Shout out to Crunchy Man. Now, R- Randy, are you familiar? Do you understand how deep Russell is in the Reddit game now? It's I call him Reddit Russell. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm do not that. aware, but I think it would be unfortunate to be aware <laughs> of how deep he is. Although you know, you Cl- happy with that sentence? Yes. <laughs> Clark enjoyed my new character, Reddit Ralph. <laughs> oh, dude, Reddit That's Ralph. That's pretty good. I'll take that. We're, uh, we're doing another uh, weekday record. So I'm, I'm tripping on sugar right now. We're doing, we're doing a weekday record. We, this is the, um, the day before uh, this country goes into a new direction. Or the same direction. Or ends. <laughs> or ends. We don't know. By the time you listen to this, you know. Or maybe we don't know. That's my guess, is that by the time you listen to this, we still don't know. That I'm going to go on the record. I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah, and to um, celebrate, I, I've on purpose kept the morning zoo light. So, yeah, I don't know. We have some amendments to do. Do you, you want to jump off with Borat? Well... I mean, I think Joe Rogan changed your mind on. Uh, I think it's just me spending more time with the story. Yeah. And understanding, like, look, Sasha Baron Cohen's a political guy. We all know he's a political guy. I also saw an article today of like everything that was staged in Borat and everything that was not staged. Yeah. yeah. Like the, um, the cotillion ball that was completely staged. Yeah. I, Everyone I there the was paid out. Yeah. But um, they weren't informed. Just to be clear, they, they weren't were, actors. They were there because yeah. they thought they were going to be extras in a movie. Yes, but they were paid. Yeah, they were paid, yeah. Um, and the babysitter character, uh, that was real. Yeah. Uh, they told her that um, this was a part of a, a documentary about women's rights yeah. and suffrage. And um, actually, Sasha Baron Cohen uh, has donated $100,000 to her local church. As hush money. Because they wanted to get a uh, lawyer, and, and also they they got a, they started a GoFundMe account for her, and they've also raised yeah. A couple now here's the thousands. thing: 
I don't give a shit about any of that. I'm a fan of faux documentary. I am a, a moralist voyeur. I love watching shit and whatever you got to do to set the stage. Hey, power to you. And I knew he was doing this kind of shit before. I remember reading stories where it's like, oh, he's got a team of lawyers ready for the hundreds of thousands of lawsuits that are going to come in. And with Bruno, it only got worse. Like people, I think people came at him harder in Bruno. Yeah. But he's such a political hack now. He's really leaning on the anti-Trump stuff. And I think it's just a, you know try and propel his Hollywood status. And I can't really hate him for it because everybody's doing it, but look, man, you know, we, we all got summer homes to pay for. So, but you particularly the Rudy Giuliani stuff. Yeah. I, I think that upon, upon, uh, going into the replay boot, boot <laughs> as it were, um, he was tucking in his shirt. Like, and I, I don't think now was the way that this was packaged, uh, made him, Ooh. To look despicable? Yeah. Unfortunate pun there. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to be anywhere near Julie, Rudy Giuliani. Like, I think he's just, as I said, man, he's, what went wrong with him? <laughs> like, just, he's become a weird, I, crazy person. I don't know if any Americans ever fallen so far from grace. It's very strange. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I, I it, I think it was certainly portrayed in a light to make him yeah. look bad. I don't think that he was trying anything salacious at that time because he w- he was just tucking his. Th- oh, you're now, a, you're a fucking Republican apologist. What, what are you? You're, what, you're a good now, boy over here. What, would this be something I would do? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I I it's both sides. You sound like a fucking good boy right now. That's a reference to what my dad called me over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's, you know, um, this is all we're going to touch on politically. Having said that, Borat's still great. Four and a half stars. Yeah, man, I'm still disappointed by it. Uh, That was hilarious. Anyway, yeah, no more political talk. If you're hearing this now, the world has not ended. All right, so now talk about the guy who beat women and now he's dead. No, no, hey, I I got a thing, okay? (laughs) So, if you're a fan of the spy genre, as one um, Alfred Hitchcock was, then uh, you'll appreciate that his ghost murdered Sean Connery, the man who he said ruined the spy genre and, uh, you know, forced Alfred Hitchcock never to return. I'm going to tell you right now, the spy genre may be the most boring genre in the history of genre. Thank you to Sean Connery. No. Thank you <laughs> to Tinker Taylor Soldier Boy. That shit What about a uh, man from Uncle? Never seen it. No. Why? I don't know. You know, it weirdly, uh, this is going to be, I I know we have new listeners. Uh, there's a dude, Dan, who writes for a site. I, I'm probably, I try not to bring him up as much as I used to. He, Wait, that's he one candy of his, man? It's one of his favorite movies. The Man the from man Uncle. The Man from Uncle? Yeah. The Guy Ritchie television series remake uh, film. Another one of his favorite movies? Starring is, Arm and Hammer. Uh, it's one of the new Bond Guy films. The first one. One of the new Bond guys. Yeah, I don't know. Daniel I'm not Craig? What are you, my mother? What What are you talking about? I couldn't about? name him. That's Skyfall. What I, you mean the actor? He didn't like Skyfall. What's before that? The actor or director of uh, Bond films? We're talking Dan, so what do you think? It's the actor. actor. Yeah. Okay, so Daniel Craig? Yeah. I, you know what? I'm backing out. I don't even, Knives <laughs> I don't, Out? No, it was one with like a space station. or I don't know what the fuck's going on. 
Space Ad Astra? There's no bond. Ad Astra. Ad Astra. No. Ad so, okay, ass. here. If you really want to try and figure this out, I remember I was in Dallas when uh, the Boy Scouts Guide to Zombie Apocalypse came out, and there was that movie where the Bond trailer had a guy in a skull mask, and I was like, I really like the cinematography here. Oh. The, the one before that. Yeah, I don't know it. And I'm right in front of a computer, and I'm sure I could Google it, but I have no idea. It doesn't matter. Sean Connery's dead, and Goodrins, we spit on your grave. <laughs> I have another correction too. Um, uh, last week, I was in a weird mental state, and I thought every man <laughs> was six foot two. I now have confirmation that Eddie the Gamer Ghoul is in fact five eleven. What did I tell you? You dude? said five ten. I so told no, no, no. Win. I said, I said, <laughs> no way. He was over six foot. Thank you very much. So I feel like we could split the difference. As I, I came down to six feet and you said 5'10". We can meet in the middle and be friends. Uh, Hopefully like our country did on the third. As you know, we play by prices Right rules. I know. And I lose there. I, I realize. <laughs> yeah. So I got confirmation on that. And Thank now, you, Drew Carey. I am looking for confirmation on something else that happened last week. Here we go. Uh, we were personally attacked by uh, one of the three friends. I believe he called for blood and the canceling of the whole subgenre of the found footage horror. And somebody, I know we have 84 people who neglect our Twitter, but somebody answered it. And I have a feeling it was Randy. Was that you that tweeted at uh, Alberto about uh, found footage? Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot I did that. Yeah. Good. Good on you. You're standing (laughs) up for us. I, uh, I literally got done listening to their episode and then I got on Twitter. I'm like, holy shit, somebody beat me to it. And I'm like, was that Randy? Y'all need, <laughs> y'all need to sign off. If there's enough um, room on the tweet. I mean, normally we can tell, but I always try to put my name at the end. I like I'm, the mystery better. Okay. No, we'll keep it at that as I don't think I could convince you I guys. I also like mystery. It's never a mystery. First off, with you two, like, I'm pretty sure Randy tweeted something today that was like, I know we're a film podcast, but I'm leaving this here. Yeah, Sean Wilson, how to. (laughs) Russell, I'm not kidding. You need to watch this show. What? Okay, give me a little bit. Randy, give him a little bit. What? Uh, Well, yeah, like Clark mentioned before we started recording, he did a 30-minute episode on scaffolding in New York. And it's uh, both very, like, naive, but also, like, very funny um, voiceover and the editing is really funny. And the clips he gets is just, like, absurd things that he, like, finds in New York City. And, uh, yeah, both episodes so far, like, ended in a very, like, real emotional place that I did not expect them to go. He gets a lot of real street footage in New York, which, I mean, there's plenty to go around. And he cuts that. It, it matches so perfectly with his voiceover. And he acts in both in two episodes that uh, have come out. Uh, he made road trips in both of those. And the, Randy, what was the first episode? Like how to, how to make small talk. Yeah, how to make small talk. And he ends up going to uh, like Cancun or something. Yeah, Cam Coon has got MTV spring break there at the same time that he's there at his resort. And then in the second episode, he goes to New Orleans to go to the National Scaffolding Convention. <laughs> Talk about scaffolding. And uh, a privileged moment happens in New Orleans 
Um, that's actually kind of, I mean, it's a okay, horrible so thing. Okay, so wait, happen, wait. But. It's scripted or a documentary? It's like Fodoc, I guess. Ish. So is he? Is it like Borat? Like he's playing a character and nobody's in on Dude, it? Let me. Let, you know what the best way to describe this is? You know who an executive producer is? Who? Nathan Fielder. Oh, okay. Yeah, but so that's like Borat. It's very similar. It's, You're well, talking. Nathan explains it all. Nathan right? Fielder worked on Borat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, that's cool. Yeah. It's. I. You would love it. Um. What? What's it on? H, uh, home box office. Oh, I Max. have that, right? Yes. Max, thank you. I was like, uh, Express, Go, I don't know what the fuck it's called. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like HBO Max's color scheme. <laughs> I don't like I don't like the layout of this Same. iteration. Um, I think it's their weakest entry into their canon. Uh, they need to reevaluate, go back to HBO Go. Those are the happy days. We were all happier then. There was no COVID. Sure, there was Trump, but we were fighting through it. We were living our lives. Are you James Cameron? I don't know. <laughs> Don't, don't never call me James. <laughs> call me a hunk of shit. Never call okay. me Jim Cameron. That fucking um, gutter snipe. All right. Now, uh, Avatar. Fuck Avatar, dude. You know who loves Avatar? Who? Joseph Rogan. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait. No. I th- you know, God, I had, he talks about. So I had notes <sighs> like a long time ago that <laughs> it was a bullet list. There was like pros and cons of hearing any of those idiots talk about film. And I remember they were talking a bunch of shit on like, um, on a, not Hen and Lauder. Who the fuck were they talking about? It was, um, Showgirls. Estee Lauder. They were talking shit on Showgirls. And I'm like, I had a flashback to uh, Jesse Hawthorne fix. He does, he does programming out here with Midnight for Maniacs. And he was showing all of Paul, uh, Verhoeven's films. Yeah. And I remember hearing Mike Keegan, who was the old uh, program director at the Alamo, and he was like, you know, celebrating Showgirls feels so old. Like, everybody knows that that's like a legitimately good movie that was made by uh, a knowing and intelligent uh, auteur. A master. I, not quite his words, but. <laughs> and, and I just remember Rogan like shredding that film. Well, and sound like a, he's like, yeah, I got the fucking guy from Twin Peaks in it. And he's like, I was just like, oh, what am I doing? Well, it's not his. You think Showgirls his best movie? No, not his best, but it's definitely like not the room, which I think is how they yeah. were treating it. Like, look at this terrible misfire that I mean, made it into Hollywood somehow. It's very clear. I mean, you can look it up statistically. It's all on paper. RoboCop's the best movie that's ever been made. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know song. if you wanted me to argue with you or something. There's, I, it's it, it's infallible. Yeah, you cannot argue it. RoboCop is the best movie that's ever been made. That's ever been made. Ever been made. I don't. Need, do you even like the movie? I can't tell if you're doing a bit Robo right Cop. now. Is it one of your all time favorites? Top, I mean, top one apparently. Thirty-five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no way. I, I love RoboCop. I could come up with the one movie right. I I'll pick a random movie, The Godfather. It's not RoboCop. Is it better <laughs> or worse? I mean, good here's fellas. the thing. Here's the thing. If Robo RoboCop <laughs> would have taken the gun and left the cannolis, okay. So take that for what it is. All right. Now, to, to, uh, now for my brief morning zoo. Should I make an intro for that? Because you know, RoboCop's not about empty calories, dude. What do you think? I could have like Russell Crowe yelling and the cars crashing and be like, "Morning Zoo." Or, no more know. Morning Zoo. Morning Zoo. Look. I, you've read the tweets. That's fine. I'm going to cut your mic. Uh, 
anyway, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the soundboard we have, I feel like we're a little too hip for the room. And honestly, you know, I did an extended Halloween. We uh, did an impromptu illegal party where we live streamed and played video games and carved pumpkins. And frankly, there wasn't enough of the uh, holiday reveling that I wanted. And I continued the next day and I did all the things I wanted to do on Sunday. And I'm still kind of in that mood. So uh, a couple of our favorite clips come from a short film that I we've pushed on you. I don't know how many of you have watched it. It's the uh, Orville Morple, the Legend of Orville. What the hell is the actual name of this thing? Is it just Orville Morple? I think it's the Legend of Orville Morple. Okay, the Legend. Well, you know what? You're about to hear the damn Legend, and then you'll you'll be on the inside. I'm gonna try and not be too hip for the room anymore, and that's across everything. What is this phrase? Too hip for the room? I've never heard you say this in the 19 years that I've known. You. I know, but I've been thinking. Well. <laughs> Too hip for the room. It's just a thing you say. I know, but why do you sound like you're smoking jazz cigarettes <laughs> right now? I don't room, know. Man. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, we're we're uh, you know it's we're referencing things that we've given no context I for. Prefer that Russell better. But that's like uh, it's clunky and wordy, and then we're too hip for the room. Also, it's T O O. Yeah, that's why I'm gonna. <laughs> also, it's radio. Good yeah. film. So again, oh, we're talking, it about, is a good film. talking about context. Now, what, what is right, radio and RoboCop <laughs> right there? Alphabetically, first of all. Okay. What about RadioCop? RadioCop. Yeah, you tard. RadioCop's uh, good. Randy, okay. cut that out. Are you, wait, cut which out? You call me up. T-A-R-D. No, you're highly regarded. Put your helmet on. That's fair. Now, are you going to give context on the two, or are we just pretending that didn't happen? People understand that you can't spell. <laughs> okay, I'm going to but we're talking about grammatical. Is that a word? <laughs> we're talking about grammar with now. spelling. Yes, grammatical. That, yeah, I'll allow it. Okay. It, okay. Good. It'd be weird anyway. if you were really good at spelling, but also terrible at grammar, or vice versa. All right, work on that. Bit. I That's think good. you know. I think um, I try harder with grammar, but the T O O, the T W O, like who who the fuck invented this language? Why do we got so many twos? We only need two. Too many twos. Too many twos. Anyway, uh, that movie whose name I already forgot, The Legend of Orville Morple, allegedly. I'm, don't quote me on that. Uh, here's the legend. Let me find the button. There we go. Oh, I better call Sarah. Here, let me give a little context so I'm not too hip for the room again. This is a brief moment in a short available on Amazon Prime, which you can find. It takes place in a green screen forest, and it is a conversation held between two girls. One of them just acquired a house. Uh, the price was right, a dollar. That's the context I'm trying to give. And uh, here's the backstory to said Orville Morble. I'm just going to start it again. Oh, I better call Sarah. Hey, Don, how did the foreclosure go? I got the house. The Orville Marple house? <laughs> yep, no one else even bid on it. I'm not surprised about that. Yeah, but just tell me that story again about this Orville Marple dude. He was a simpleton, kind of slow. He couldn't really talk. He inherited a house from a relative. Anyway, he's a nice guy. Never bothered anybody. He would do chores for the neighbors cheap. But here's the thing about Orville. He may have been a retard, but he was a stud. <laughs> Big muscular guy, you know? And from what the neighborhood housewife said, he was packing some big junk. 
before long, every woman on the street was seducing Orville after their husbands left for work. It didn't take long for word to get around. And some of them husbands got window things and decided to take matters in their own hands. One night, them husbands broke into Orville's house and broke his back with a sledgehammer. <laughs> he tortured and strangled the poor bastard. He was just a big, dumb, retarded guy who got used by a bunch of horny housewives. He didn't deserve to die. But you can bet ever since that night, people swear they can hear Orville dragging himself by his hand around the neighborhood. And every now and then, squatters would break into the house to get out of the cold, but they would all run out screaming because they said they see Orville's ghost. What a horrible story. Damn, I'll never sell this dump with a history like that. Well, that's interesting. But I don't believe any of that nonsense. Orville Morple, my butt. Now, Randy, that may have driven you crazy because it sounds like there's they're picking up EVPs in the Orville Morple house. And there's a lot of weird audio cuts. And that's all in the short. I, I believe that they would... I don't think the dude filming these poor girls actually would say cut. He would just lower the camera and start talking. And if you're watching and you pay attention, you can see scenes end by the camera just drooping a little bit. And in a couple, he might show up in a mirror and you can definitely hear him start to say something in there, but it's very creepy. And those women might actually be held hostage. <laughs> but uh, It's a great short Orville Morple. It's on Amazon prime. I, I could paint the visual picture, but I could never do that justice. Just think uh, Gummo and, uh, I don't know, Urban Legends. <laughs> Just think Orville Morple, man. Oh, Orville Morple. That's what it is. <laughs> Even trying to describe Orville, Orville in that short would be hard. Because that ghost takes many forms and uh, proportions. Yes, yes 100%. <laughs> He may just be a uh, borrowed assets from a like phone program. Speaking of borrowed assets, <laughs> Randy Michael Stapp. <laughs> That's me. All right. Now, Randy, the past couple weeks, you've been, you, you, every week it seems like you got a new online film festival that you participated in. Was that the case this week? Uh, yeah, I did the Frightening Ass Film Festival from the Chattanooga folks, and then I also watched something on the Philadelphia Film Fest. Oh, Streets of Philadelphia. Yeah. Favorite Tom Hanks film. You know what? It's not a bad Tom Hanks. That's also a very good Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> uh, how, how were those two things, Randy? Uh, they were good. The Frightening Ass Film Fest, I watched uh, mostly the live events on Friday. I kind of had them on while I was working. Then I watched maybe like two or three features on Friday. Then I think I watched another two on Saturday. I didn't end up watching as much as I was planning on it just because it was Halloween and I kind of wanted to watch some ringers, you know? Didn't want to like take as many chances. A couple of ringers, eh? Yeah, so I watched, uh, you know, I watched Trick or Treat for the first time. That was pretty good. Wait, Trick or or or? R. Okay. Yeah. With Anna Paquin? That's the Michael Daughtry film. Yeah. Watch that. And then I watched uh, Memories of Murder, which, you know, isn't really horror, but watched Memories yeah. of Murder. 
I mean, it's a true horror. What, what do you think, Randy? Uh, I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's great, good. right? What do yep. you think of the treat? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun as well. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's got a lot of cool just effects and, you know, just, it's a very festive Halloween movie. Um, you know, it's, it, it's fun. Well, that movie came out in like, what, 2006? So it, so it uh, was supposed to come out in 2007. They put it on the shelf and then it finally went out to uh, straight to DVD in 2009. I know that because I looked it up because I was wondering the story behind it because I remembered it while I was working at the video store in Petal, Mississippi. <laughs> uh, it, um, that, that was a latecomer and it is, you know, it's a classic now. Like I even throw that in rotation and I tried not to be. But dude, it was weird because it was, a sh- it was, a, like I said, a straight to DVD release, but it became a cult classic, like within a yeah. year. I mean, it's hard to fuck with it. They really nailed like hollow and it's an anthology. I like it's the, just, yeah. it's really, I like the Dylan Baker. I like short. Dude, they're all great. <clears throat> Losing my voice. It's all that fucking candy I ate before. <laughs> Go ahead, Randy. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's really good. But uh, yes, I watched you know couple couple things on Saturday. Um, first movie I'm going to talk about is the one that I watched at the Philadelphia Film Fest. Uh, played a bunch of other film fests. I think it premiered in Venice. Um, it's called New Order, uh, directed by Michael or Michel Franco. It's a Mexican-French production. Uh, Neon just picked it up, so I think they're going to be distributing in it distributing it soon. Uh, not exactly sure when. Uh, the synopsis is, it takes place in 2021. Uh, the gap between social classes in Mexico is, uh, the gap is very big, you would say. And there is a high society wedding uh, that is interrupted by a group of armed and violent rioter, rioters. Um, so there's kind of like this whole uprising going on uh, within the city. And they um, take over this wedding. And one of the participants at the wedding um, ends up in a different place than the rest of them. And so she kind of gets split up from them. And then uh, essentially the government takes over and there is just straight up military dictatorship. So it is not a light movie at all, but if you want to go into a, uh, a descent into darkness, pretty much as to what a military dictatorship could potentially look like, then, uh, yeah, give this a shot. The violence was very effective and very shocking. It kind of reminded me of uh, some of the stuff uh, towards the end of Nocturama. Just like cool. super effective. Just, yeah, it's it gets really brutal. Um, the like staging of the protests and everything in the city kind of reminded me of like Battle of Algiers. Um, it just seemed super real and it was just like really intense. Um so yeah, not not the lightest movie, but I did really really dig it. Nocturne was good. Yeah, I need to watch that again. All right, well another foreign language bummer from Randy. Hell yeah! <laughs> what is not a bummer though is uh, a new movie on Netflix. I think it came out early October. It's called Vampires versus the Bronx, directed by Oz Rodriguez, and it's produced by Lauren Michaels. Uh, it is 86, 86 minutes long, uh, starring Jaden Michael, Gerald Jones, and Gregory Diaz, who play uh, the three leads in this movie. Um, and yeah, it is uh, everything that you would expect from the title. 
Um, so essentially the movie, like the cold open begins with this blonde lady getting her nails done um, in the Bronx. And she's talking to the owner, Becky. And Becky is like, yeah, I'm selling my uh, my salon tomorrow to um, this new real estate group. And they're called Bernal Properties. <laughs> and um, yeah, so she, she gets her nails done there. And then she leaves. And then you see Shay Wiggum come in, uh, oh. who is the head of Murnau Properties, uh, right, to I'm finalize gonna... the deal. And then uh, someone else also comes in who is a vampire. And after she signs the papers, uh, the vampire kills her. I'm out. <laughs> and then, so the three kids that I mentioned, um, they're in the movie. The main one, his name's Miguel. He's organizing a block party to save their local bodega, uh, which was pretty much like their babysitter, like after school. So they grew up there. Um, you know, the town is getting gentrified, so they want to save it. Um, so yeah, and then, yeah, the vampires come in. Um, and you realize that obviously with Murnau Properties, the vampires are the real estate company. And so these kids want to fight uh, the vampires to get them out of the neighborhood and to also stop gentrification. Um, and it's super fun, super charming. The characters um, are all really great. Doesn't take it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, yeah, it's got it's got everything you would want. The kids watch Blade to take notes on how to kill vampires. So <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yo, we got a we got a Method Man in this. Yep, Method Man's in it. I love Method Man. Yeah, Randy, that, that looks tight. You said that was on Netflix right now? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. I, I already like the metaphor of the real estate agents like bleeding a community dry via. Yeah. And the fact that they like, they have them like sign the papers and then they kill them. So it's like they're not even like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's super uh, kind of a rich conversation about gentrification. It's surprisingly not like, I mean, it's not like, you know, super, super smart. Doesn't take itself like too seriously, but. I don't know. I was uh, enjoyed well, the way they kind of talked about it. Randy, the, the, the difference is, you know, a lot of the great horror movies that pe like, like Fright Night, I wouldn't say Fright Night is a heavy handed uh, social commentary film. And um, but, you know, I feel like you can learn a lot about it, like privacy and dealing with neighbors and stuff. And the difference is this is what I gripe about A24 with yeah. which almost like the message is before the movie. And that's where I, I get like all tangled up. And I'm like, you know, I, after our episode came out and I talked about um, Antebellum, I, uh, I'd spoken with some people who kind of convinced me that that is a true exploitation film using uh, our, you know, pressurized uh, time as kind of a uh, crutch for a weak plot and narrative device. And I totally agree. And it was just it was just I was kind of blinded. Uh, by living in the moment where, you know, I've looked back and seen so many films that were literally exploiting people going through a turbulent time. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like we're getting a lot of that now. And I, you know, I, I'm dying to watch a movie called vampires versus the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, it's funny because Netflix is bringing out a lot more like urban cinema. Yep. But everything, what, what's the other one? Um, there's another big one. It's, it's like got house in the name. Yeah. Mr. His house. His house. I was going to watch that. It's uh, really good. I just watched that as well. Okay, but that one's more of like a very serious tone, and it's probably more upfront than this one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, about these uh, this couple from like South Sudan uh, that come to somewhere in Europe um, as like refugees essentially, and they're like given this house, and you know, obviously the house 
is uh, not great. So it's kind of just about the, I guess, like the horrors and anxiety of, you know, uh, immigration and stuff like that. And it has a lot to do with like, you know, the the place that they left and things that they left behind and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. Like trying to preserve a culture and st- like I can imagine already. And that's exactly why I didn't watch it. Yeah. On, uh, like Terrell came over and so oh God. So we were doing Halloween too. And um, after Clark had left, we threw on Night of the Demons and we were still carving pumpkins. And Night of the Demons is a great like Halloween. There's, you know, the urban legend about throwing razor blades and candy. <laughs> um, Night of the Demons is one of the only movies I know that actually had that play out. And it's like a shitty old white guy. And he's like, oh, I fucking hate these kids. They're mean to me. So he gets a bunch of razor blades and he's like, I'm going to teach them a lesson. And he has a bunch of apples he puts them in. Anyway, I'm going to ruin the end of the film when we cut back to him and his his wife, who may have known what she's doing, baked an apple pie for him. And he says, where'd you get these apples? And she's like, oh, they were here. And he goes, no. And blood starts shooting out of his neck. <laughs> anyway, I got so nostalgic for that movie that I, I harassed Terrell into getting out of bed and coming over because he's like our retro horror guy and we were sitting there talking about what movie to watch and we almost threw on his house except we all agreed this might be kind of a bummer yeah we all want to watch it but and so i'm sure you can guess what we uh watched instead randy (laughs) uh not vampires versus the bronx which would have been a good choice dude it would have been perfect i wish i knew about it uh instead we watched a film called uh goblin <laughs> which is about domestic abuse and a CG um, uh, goblin that looks kind of like Shrek, but way lamer. Actually, it looks like a CG goblin that walked out of Tim and Eric. Huh. Any, okay. So yeah, back to you, Randy. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. Clark, you ready? So his house is good. How many stars? Uh, I think I gave it four. Oh, damn. What, what did you give memories of murder? <laughs> uh, four and a half. What the fuck? Why? Uh, I didn't find it as engaging as Parasite, but that's like the only like negative thing I could say about it. Oh, really? I liked it more. I th- uh, yeah. I, I mean, as you know, I love a procedural, which is what we may get into for a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, Randy, I, and I think that um, you know, Parasite obviously is uh, very prescient and um, its subject matter and uh, came at a you know pretty. Yeah, pretty convenient time for its message, and um, you know, I, I. But at the end of the day, it's going to be evergreen. So, look, I, I, I want to take nothing away from Parasite. Yeah, and overrated. I think he's at the top. Of course, you're going to say that. <laughs> but um, memories of murder. I just, I don't know. I, I think, I think that we we see a, a younger filmmaker here who. He took some chances with Memories of Murder, man. And I'm not saying that Parasite is safe by any standard um, of that. But I, I just, I don't know. I like how he took this open case and made a film about it. And um, and then, of course, you know, as they find out that the, the murderer was uh, in prison when they were making the movie. Oh, I also showed Terrell Gwilliam. And... Uh, <laughs> He went, oh, I love him. I got to get me one. And, he, and then he looked at us and said, not for that. <laughs> <laughs> also, just in case you, so William, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You can find a link to that video. Just throw it in YouTube. Um, it's on our show notes. They put up the other one, I think, for Halloween. So now you can watch William, uh, guy, William's Guide to Tricks and Treats. Yeah, That's available now on YouTube, too. Sorry, I just want to throw that out there. 
So what I'm going to talk about this week is that Russell and I saw no less than 97 movies together this week. Yeah, and I forgot about three of them. Um, but I do want to talk about a limited series that um, transpired over three weeks that took place on Sundance Now. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've talked about this channel ad nauseum in the past because they bring the heat. Do you understand me? Sundance Now brings the heat and the thunder. They they produce some great shows which no one sees. And I think that that's unfortunately the case here uh, with Dez. Uh, what I'm referring to is a series about, this was a three-episode series um, involving the case of Dennis Nielsen. Um, a serial killer in North London in the 1980s, uh, where he uh, looks like that they were able to track these murders in between 1978 and 1983. I believe he was charged with six murders, and they had several other murders that they could not pin to him. But um, he killed a lot of boys. They were all uh, young men. Um, in fact, they, uh, actually looped in, uh, one 14 year old that they believe he murdered. Um, he would have this ritual where he would, um, uh, don their skin and then boil their heads. And this is portrayed, uh, Dennis Nilsson is portrayed by the great Dr. Who actor, <laughs> which one? David Tennant. I love David Tennant. David Tennant, of course, is in, um, the Good Fright Night. I don't have a laugh track. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, he plays uh, Roddy McDowell's character in the Fright Night remake, which mm -hmm. is very meh. I didn't even remember he was. Oh, he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. He sort of played like this Chris Angel type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know David Tennant well enough to know it was him. He's a fantastic actor. Um, According to my dad. Go on. Yeah. Is who is that his favorite uh, I don't doctor? Know. Don't I don't talk to him about Doctor <laughs> Who. He would just ramble on at me. I think I've seen two Doctor Who episodes and I'm good. Yeah, it's, I'm good. Yeah, not a fan. Um, but I am a fan of David Tennant. David Tennant does a great job as Dennis Nilsson. Um, the the other part of this story. So this sto story is basically centered on three main characters, and that is David Tennant, played by Dennis Nilsson, uh, Chief Inspector Peter J. Uh, played by Daniel Mays, and then Brian Masters, who wrote the book about Dennis Nilsson called Killing for Company. So this is really about the intersection of these three characters and trying, and then the trial that happens at the end of the film um, where he was convicted of all of these murders. Um, if you are not a fan of serial killers and drama and dramas and, and crime procedurals. I don't know if this is going to sell you on this is it's pretty straightforward. However, the performances are great. The productions is, is solid. Um, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this and, um, it's a, it's a very interesting look, you know, at a disgusting human being. How, um, true crimey does it get? It gets pretty true crimey. Um, it, it, it it doesn't get too um, violent. You, you don't see the murders happen. It's not like our uh, boys film where you get to see like actual like photos of dead people from the real crime. 
well, I don't want to name the movie because I, everybody uses. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the case, Russ. But uh, okay. you do see they they do splice in actual footage. Okay, of him. So it like, is a little true crime. Yeah, yeah. So so they they do a little bit of that. Um, but man, David Tennant, he really gets into. Serial killers are mostly uh, sociopaths. They have no feelings. And Dexter would disagree. Well, <laughs> I, I'm fine with disagreeing with Dexter. By the way, do you know they're bringing Dexter yeah, back? Yeah, he's coming back. Why? Because now that he's in Twin Peaks. Are you excited? They, they, no. Are you going to watch it? Uh, you know. I think I'm going to watch it, right? I don't know. I was talking to Terrell about it a lot. I don't know. I don't know. But they fucked me, man. They fucked all of us. What, with the triple ending? Well, with the, the last four seasons, as far as I'm concerned. God, yeah. that show got terrible. Yeah. And then Lumberjack Town. I mean, it's hard to keep that thing going. Just the way TV shows Lest we work forget and- the fake death, the, 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 the hurricane. Yeah. God. Yeah. <sighs> this is Dude, better than Dexter. You know, you know what Dexter reminds me of, too, is Comic-Con. Because back when I used to go to Comic Con, that's when like headlines were like "Hot Dads are the new thing," and it would be like Dexter <laughs> yeah. and like a giant banner, and yeah. And I just remember going to Comic Con; it was fucking everywhere. And now here we are, and it's like I can't. I I wish I didn't remember it. I don't know. I I, I really enjoy Des. I think that they do a good job of getting into the moral gray area. Moral gray alien. Uh, so thank you so much. <laughs> The, the morally gray area of with um, Brian Masters, um, played by Jason Watkins, he, he was essentially the biographer to Dennis Nelson. But according to Dennis Nelson, he was his biographer because Dennis Nelson wanted to get you know fame. Okay, with this, yeah. and Brian Masters wanted to write this book as a warning. Oh, okay. And essentially, it was the battle between those two and what this story actually is, and then also um, the chief inspector trying to get additional information from the biographer, and then the lines that would cross in between those two worlds that were colliding. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed the angle that they went with this. Um, and then, of course, they do the tropey thing with the the chief inspector of like, this is the only thing he does. His family's falling apart. He's in mm-hmm. his third marriage. He doesn't see his kids. He's trying to get this guy convicted, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And then also there are several uh, victims that escaped Dennis Nelson, and they are brought to the stands. And I mean, it's it, look, if you're into this stuff, it's a very, it's very well done. And it's, it's. Well worth your time. And again, Wait. Sundance TV is great. Wait, so people got away from him? Yeah. And then they were testifying against him? Correct. Was he over on like was he over in the defendant area like making a so, throat slitting so he, gesture? So here's the thing. Um I think, I, think, I think this is the first time where I've seen a crime drama take place not in the United States. Oh, okay. And it was weird to see all these jerk offs with the little curly wigs on. Yeah, the powdered wigs. And then, and then he is off in his own little section above everyone else. Oh, and he's looking at. He's oversees everyone. It's very strange. Weird. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. I mean, I get it. I mean, that, how many, that's why my ancestors left. Well, how many times have they, you? They get it. How many times have you seen like a defendant charge? A person 
or you know just like be walked out in handcuffs and then like rush or I mean, not in the court. But the weird thing is being up in a balcony. I feel like, you know, there's a weird. It's uh, not a balcony. It's not a balcony, but it is a sort of like sectioned off. Um, you got to climb a little ladder? area he has. No, there's a door. But it's it's a party for one. There's a door in that, the middle of the. But is it elevated? It, it's hard to tell. I would say it's a little <laughs> elevated, but it's not a balcony. It's a Clark Little Elevator? It's not a separate floor. How? I'm The elevation is what I'm worried about. What are you, Bono? No, I just don't like the idea <laughs> of a go. murderer you know, floating above the audience. Especially a serial killer. Yeah. It's terrifying. Making a throat slitting gestures to the ones that got away. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to boil your fucking head. <laughs> but he was very straightforward in everything. He actually, when he was arrested, he said, oh, this is actually a great relief. That's and then, and then at the end, he was just like, you know what? And he pled not guilty. Oh, okay. He pled not guilty, but at the end, he was like, you know, they made the right call. Because <laughs> he said, you know, it was 16. It could have been 600. I wouldn't have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Like, and, then he, and then he told the cop, he's like, come see me. Yeah. He was very straightforward with it, and, you know, he he knew what he it was. But um, And then he got in the TARDIS and went away. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, David Tennant's great. Check it out. Hard disagree. And also, uh, man, Sundance TV. I, I can't say it enough. That 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 little uh, docu series that I talked about uh, several months ago. Uh, no one saw a thing. I still think about that thing. That's and the a, TV is a streaming service, right? Because mm-hmm. the channel is garbage. It so, is a flaming the garbage. Str- the stream. I I really like the streaming channel. I, as a reminder, Sundance gave us the staircase. As a reminder, when I was like, I don't know, early twenties. Dude, Sundance was better than HBO. Sundance, man. It was like, oh, they're going to show some raw shit on here. Does HBO own Sundance? I don't know. Somebody owns Sundance. It's a different kind of curation, though. Randy, look it up. And I preferred it. And, you know, I mean, as somebody who had like a DVR, I would go on Sundance randomly and just watch their shit. Then they started getting commercials, and then the uh, it was all bad. Well, it all started from a film fest, baby. All right. Wh- which one do you want to talk about first? Let's, uh, I think we got a trio, honestly. We got a trio? Yeah, we got three. All right, well, let's do Synchronic first. Okay. So we saw Synchronic. <laughs> we made up That's with uh, Jeff Benson and uh, Aaron Moorhead. From former guests. <laughs> I use guests very loosely. Well, they sent a limo over, and we said, if you don't roll out the red carpet, there's no way we're going. And they did. And they issued an apology for being horrible guests on our show. And we said, you know what? I think it was on us. And then we shook and we made up. And I apologize for calling them Aaron and Moorhead uh, last week. I honestly had no idea. I did. <laughs> but yeah, we made up. And then we went to see the movie. Two New Orleans paramedics' lives are ripped apart after they encounter a series of horrific deaths linked to a designer drug with bizarre otherworldly effects my favorite part of this movie is that there is an actual physical tangible thing that is causing these things to happen and not some artsy fartsy idea about fucking time travel bullshit i like that it's a drug that you take and then you can travel in time which is in its own a little ridiculous yes but i'm fine with it what what is your gripe? Are you talking pie right now, or what are you? No, mad at? I'm talking. I don't like when c- 
because like with the endless, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> the endless was. And that's part of the reason why that episode was terrible because we didn't care for the endless. We refused to talk to them um, about the endless. And then at the end of the interview, they're like, are we going to talk about the right. endless? Clark is a little fucked up. I love the endless. I have a tattoo on my neck. You're an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, no, what really? What, if you're going to commit, go what, face tattoo like little Zan, baby. Under my left eye. Um, you're Lisa Lopez. What? W- no, really, what movie are you taking shots at? I'm not taking shots at movies. I just, uh, anything specifically, but I just like how this is a specific thing. Like, it's a drug that yeah. you take. Not of like, oh, this is some like high-minded, uh, <laughs> you know, take the thing and like it's a transcendent meditation and you go to a new world because uh, your father left your mother. I, See, I feel like there's pieces of many puzzles in there. They're just like, do you know what around. the endless was? No, <laughs> this is I, a drug that was made by some skeevy dude. And then they sold it to truck stops and vape shops. <laughs> and then people took it and then realized that, are you going to ru- actually ruin this back movie into, right now? It literally <laughs> says it in what I just read. Yeah, um, bath salts. That's what it's about. Honestly. Yeah. They, they take these things and they go to another world and then they typically die. It's, uh, and these paramedics discovered this. To now, quote uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, time is a flat circle and uh, that's what they're doing. Almost literally. Our two leads here are played by Jamie Dornan and Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie is the central character. He's fantastic. He's you know, amazing. Anthony Mackie. Um, he is, uh, I think he's the new Captain America now, as far as we can tell, because uh, uh, Chris Evans as Joe Biden at the end of that movie died. <laughs> he looked just like Joe Biden at the end of that. Oh, what a piece of shit movie that was. And uh, Jamie Dornan is a boring man. <laughs> Jamie Bornin. <laughs> He was okay. Anthony Man. Mackie was just acting circles around him. Anthony Mackie's an enthusiastic guy. Jamie Dornan is allergic to enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. He made that role extra boohoo. Yeah. Um, but essentially, the, these two are, are old friends, and they are paramedics together. Um, and we sort of are, are privy to their hijinks together. And uh, Anthony Mackie's, you know, free and loose lifestyle. And Jamie Dornan's very boring life of him trying to keep his family together uh, with a daughter that doesn't care for him and a wife that's pretty in and out. (laughs) Yeah. Burger. Yeah. What? (laughs) In and out burger. Cut your own mic. (laughs) And I, it it all takes place in new Orleans and um, Anthony Mackie. Well, essentially they find out that this teenage daughter took this drug and is missing. Anthony Mackie then realizes that this drug is a time travel device. And so then he uses this drug uh, to go back in time to try and retrieve uh, Jamie Dornan's daughter. Russ, what did you think of this picture? Um, I thought it, uh, man, this year returning to the movies have been pretty cool. Uh, We watched this film. We watched the empty man. Oh, I said I was going to go deep into the empty man. You know, I'm going to have to hold off on that. You you have another week to go see it. Um and uh come play which we'll talk about later. And the thing that all three of them have in common are they just feel almost like there's no reference to any other cinema prior. Like this movie felt 
I'm, you know, I've been hanging out a lot with Terrell, so I'm going to bring him up again. He did not like this movie, and he said uh, it's not a fucking horror movie. So I kind of was primed for it going in because I too thought it was going to be more horror, and uh, it's really kind of a hard sci-fi film. I mean, not really hard. They do a little bit of groundwork there to justify the drug, which I thought was really interesting. But the strength of this movie is location. It looked fucking beautiful out there in New Orleans. And I, uh, there's so many exterior shots that I thought were great. There is one very, oh man, it, it was a labor to get through the initial, we're in a crime scene. And it was like James Wan amateur hour where this camera, it was one shot, but it didn't need to be. And we're traveling all over this like little derelict house. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? And man, it was so clunky. It felt like you could literally feel it moving around actors and shit. Other than that, I thought it looked fucking beautiful. I do appreciate that they shot one scene at the abandoned amusement park outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. You pointed that out to me. And I think, uh, it's really cool getting to see these filmmakers work with a budget too, because they had props all throughout this movie and they had some special effects that I, uh, that I, they weren't, they range from really good to, it made me laugh uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of undercut an emotional yeah. moment. We don't have to talk about that, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> Because they sort of gilded the lily with it, and then the second time it happened, and I don't. But that first one was more comical than the. Oh, second. dude, it was brutal, and but it was sad too. I, it. I like this movie. It's a, this is a fun watch, and and I honestly I think that that's the best part of it because the endless was not a fun watch, and I was just glad that this was fun. Well, it's fun, and it's got some weight to it too. I will say, uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know I hate the fucking woke culture. Like I hate it. Like why we mentioned earlier, I hate it when the, the, when the message comes before the movie and I was worried seeing new interviews with them and stuff. I'm kind of like, Ooh, this could be a fucking uh, virtue signaling fest. It's not. And I will mention, um, it's there, but it's in the background. It doesn't derail anything. I'm completely fine with it. I liked it. I just critiques here. Um, yeah, this the CG stuff is. Uh, I don't. I just hate that now that there's uh first the EMT thing I loved. I thought that was really cool, and I haven't seen any movie kind of run with that kind of plot for a protagonist. Um, but the main characters being black and white, Nicolas Cage. Bro. I hate that we're just in a climate where it's like, even if that were just organic, like if it was just like, oh shit, Anthony Mackie wants to be a part of this. Let's he he's casted. I feel like I just don't know if those scripts are out there anymore. I think everything is geared to the time and that might not be true for this one because it's got a weird message. If it was, you know what I mean? Like there, it gets a little clunky in there, but we, I, we could talk about that in a lobby or something. I just, and again, this very well, it could be a budgetary issue because this is a very ambitious script. And I think they wrote this script over a decade ago. So they've been trying to get this made for quite some time. And it's, it's an ambitious thing um, because you are going, you, there's a lot of sets that you have to, yeah, um, and locations. And I just think that maybe we could have had a little bit more fun uh, with our, the locations that we end up in. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, I don't want to ruin anything, but with time travel, we could have had more fun. Yeah, because there's it's not just, a lot of fun because <laughs> because we we go to different locations, but the same thing pretty much happens every time. 
Kind of. I know what you mean. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to translate. Watch the movie. It's worth it. And then you'll totally understand what we're trying to tiptoe around. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Um, You want me to... Wait, which one do you want to do next? Dude, let's get that one out of the way. Okay. So then the other movie theater movie we watched. Yeah. The one I remembered. Compla- you know, I don't oh, because know... Because you saw it more recently. Yeah, Jacob Chase, I'm not familiar. You know, actually, I don't know a lot about this film. What about Vinny Chase? I know that, again, uh, to bring up Terrell, you know what? I've mentioned him so many times. On air, right now, I'm going to commit to getting his fucking video thing going this week. I'm going to do that. And have heard this before? Yeah, but I'm doing it now. Okay. I was going to knock on wood like that was the official gavel of uh, truth. Um, come play. Uh, I originally thought the movie was come play with me as Terrell referred to it as that for a week. Um, fuck. How do you even bring this one up? Well, let's start with the synopsis. A uh, monster named Larry manifests itself through smartphones and mobile devices. Feature film version of the 2017 short film. Now I had no idea there was a short film. I will tell you this movie is very genre. It is, um, very macabre as I would like to, uh, try and give you the frame of maybe tales from the crypt. Like we're not trying to do any like highbrow um, triathlon bullshit. We're not referencing ancient tomes from Europe here. We're dealing with a technological monster and man, this movie brought me on a journey in the beginning. I was like, Whoa, this is not a ghost story again. And I love it. I, this is like three times now I've watched a movie in 2020 that I thought would be another nuclear family shakeup, and it turns out not to be. And then we get into Act Two, and it's like it gets like kind of bonkers there in a great way. And then we get to Act Three, and it completely lost me. There's a through story going on, and there's clearly like a message and some themes that they're playing with, and I just couldn't. I couldn't finish it. I, it felt like they dropped it in act two. And um, I should mention that I, t- I took an edible and it was kicking in around act three, which didn't help because this thing is a wild ride. I took two edibles. Ain't nothing kick. <laughs> That's because you've numbed yourself to the, to the pleasure of THC. Well, I mean, America did it to me. And um, we hung out in the lobby after, and I felt, completely figured out this movie through and through i unraveled the enigma and i came through enlightened my pineal gland was thriving oh you're and what? i <laughs> and i went and traveled through time like i was on synchronic so i've come back and i really like this movie uh, if you're a fan of spongebob watch it <laughs> a lot of spongebob <laughs> a lot of spongebob i'm not so much look man i all right i, think- I don't i don't want to go into your summation of everything because you, you yeah, did don't. sort of I'm surmise not, yeah. everything. Um, and on paper, that makes sense. I don't know if that helped me with this movie because I have a much more overarching problem if that's the case. Yeah. Like, well, hold on. Let's talk about that for a minute because I think part of. Um, coming to an understanding with the film or quote unquote, like figuring it out. Yeah. I think that's a journey that an audience member can have that will, uh, endear the film to them. And clearly that happened with me. I enjoyed it anyway, but, uh, it definitely like uh, bumped it up a star for lack of a better term. So I am very favorable to this film 
because I feel like I, yeah, unraveled the enigma. Look, there are great things in this movie. I just think that it fell apart there, and uh, the kid's great. Oh, yeah. As you call him, Danny Torrance. Yeah. Oh, you don't? Look I at mean, him right there. We got IMDb pulled up. It's Randy, it's pretty wild. He's fucking Danny. It's pretty wild. But he's an adorable kid. Um, doesn't speak throughout the whole movie. Um, he's got a battle with autism going on. Fantastic actor. Um, and then I love the rest of the kids. The The stuff with the kids is really, really good. It's also kind of like a throwback to like 80s or like what Randy watched, um, Vampires vs. the Bronx. Yeah. Like where we're actually using young children. And uh, this movie felt like it was in the voice that was uh, authentic to that age group, too. Yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed that. I just don't like how everything was tied together. Or not. I mean, or I not. think it was, but it took a... It, I had to wade out yeah, in the ocean. Yeah, but, but, your, but your summation of it made it even worse for me, I think. Well... I've just been like, this is what we're doing? You know, I don't have my phone here, but... I've been talking to a former guest, David Robson, yes. because I've been talking a lot of shit on the Bloomhouse movies that they dumped on Amazon Prime. I've only watched one, Evil Eye, which um, it was like a nothing fucking burger. It how, was many, a, how many stars? Oh, two. two and a half, maybe. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but it, I mean, technically it was well made. It's just, it was, I be, see, I want to quote David, but he's so much better written than like paraphrased by me. And uh, he was mentioning, uh, I was, uh, my God, I was lamenting about the YouTube video essay culture and how people love to do um, explained videos. And he was telling me that somebody had written an article about Evil Eye and they explained it. There ain't shit to explain in that movie. It could not be more clear cut and boring. Like, honestly, it is, it's pretty much a soap opera drama uh -huh. with a slight supernatural uh, twist on it. And, uh, I was telling him, dude, I fucking hate the video culture. And he referenced an article about uh, Mulholland Drive yeah. where a, a well-written critic answered everything. He's like, you want to know Mul Mulholland Drive? Here you go. And Robson was like, everybody I know that read it regretted reading it because you know, it, it's like, well, what's the movie now? Yeah, man, don't stop doing that shit. But it's fun. It's like the YouTube videos. But here's the thing. I wouldn't make hereditary explain what you put on. I should mention to piss you off. <laughs> yeah. Because they're, they're freezing frames on posters. And it's like, this artist came from Brooklyn yeah. and they're a vampire. Yeah. Anton Chigurh wasn't real. <laughs> like stop. Well, that was bad. And that was funny. It's just this spoon feeding bullshit. Yeah. But I think I'm right. So there we Look, go. Look, <laughs> I'm telling you, like you did a good job of doing that. But do you understand where I'm coming from? Because I, I just, I want this to be more hopeful than what you, the, you know, the picture you painted, and then what we got at the end. You know why? I think unraveling the bullshit, like I did in the lobby, it did the thing that I was just complaining about, where it's a movie about a message, not a movie. Yeah. Right? I think I hadn't thought of that until now. I really do think it is a message you, movie. You went real heavy into the message, and that, that's what I'm trying It is, Okay, but that's the only reason what that <laughs> had... Because if there wasn't a message, yeah. what the fuck is the ending of this movie? Uh, bleak. And that's not spoiling anything, because you're not going to guess what happens. All right, look, I, I'm pretty forgiving with the CG monster. 
Um, I liked him. He he was very creepy pasta. Yeah, like kind of you know, like you're on the internet and you don't expect a lot, and then you're watching, you're scrolling through Tumblr, and it's like, oh, that's kind of creepy, even though a five year old drew it. Oh wait, yeah. can we talk about that? They have the so up in this room. Uh, my nephew drew a picture that was, you know, a creepy picture. We love, you know, our nephews. And uh, I was amazed because it's like, that is an actual creepy picture. Like that would be in a movie. This film had maybe one of the worst moments where it's like, our child has drawn something and now we've figured out the plot of the movie. Yeah, dude, it was pretty bad, but it was so bad that it came back around for me and I loved it. I do like how the uh, <laughs> the little slimy thing that you used to get in the little oh, right, um, those are great in the quarter machines. Yeah, the, the little quarter like, machines. Yeah, Randy, you know what we we're talking about the little slime hand. It's a sticky hand yeah. that you hit against the window. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part in this movie. Uh, I had thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> I haven't seen those in thirty years. Yeah, they got a gag with it. It's great, dude. It was. Yeah. Oh God, that fits into the narrative thing I was talking about. Come play oh, three yeah. stars. <laughs> Okay, and then we watched another film that, um, uh, back to uh, mention of the week. Terrell berated me for never seeing before. We we've uh, we've been sleeping on this. There's one. a lot of content out there. I remember when this hit Shutter last year, and I didn't Shutter and I. I Shutter since I never saw it. Haunt from 2019 from Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Uh, those two gentlemen wrote a movie called A Quiet Place. Before that, they wrote a movie that Russell Fisher champions called Nightlight. Our former third chair uh, is the one that brought that to my attention. Nightlight? A Justin Coot, yeah. I saw Nightlight on it. Tubi TV with commercials. I gotta Don't DVD. do that. Yeah. Nightlight, one of the films that's uh, great, but suffers from a poster art where you're like, who the fuck made that? Yeah, it's not great. No, it's bad. There's some good jokes in uh, Nightlight. Jokes aren't as good in Haunt. Haunt? Haunt's not that funny, but... Are you kidding? Tim Dillon's in the fucking movie. Tim Dillon is weird. <laughs> <laughs> there, is, and there is a guy. Uh, can we find him on here? Of course. Is, is that him? No, that guy's credited as Vampire. Dude, did he lose weight or something? What was his name? We have kind of like a big white guy. And um I have no idea what his name was. Yeah, I think he lost weight. And IMDB's pictures are not that's helping. Not that's not him. That's the that's the bro. But Clark early on was like, Oh, it's fucking Tim Dillon. And anyway, that's him. And I was like, You're wrong. Oh no, that's him. Let's book him. What's his name? Andrew Lewis Caldwell. AKA Tim Dillon. <laughs> Or ALC. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, on Halloween, a group of friends encounter an extreme haunted house that promises to feed on their darkest fears. The night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real. Wow, that's a nothing burger synopsis. Okay, but like the movie's pretty standard. They go to a haunted house. It's standard in all the uh, genre tropey ways, except that it's uh, intelligently written. It is very well written. Um, they a cast of slasher kids go to a haunt, and uh, trouble ensues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's that's there, but this is not the houses that October built. Thank God. Uh, this is fun. Um, there's some great kills. Uh, I loved the ending. And uh, this is this is fun. I, I I thought 
you know, I you think that with these haunt movies, you've seen everything in which direction that they can go. And I think that um, there's some uh, neat exploration here. Um, one thing, uh, we were big fans of uh, Escape Room. Or I don't know about big fans. We enjoyed it. I fell asleep. In oh, you fell asleep. Room. Okay. I was a big fan. I was not. Escape Room. Like looking back on it, like the rooms the are really. The ending of Escape Room was dumb. Uh, dumb the, that's actually what I liked. Really? Yeah. Because you need to explain that. You need to. I mean, you know, so yeah, many movies are like. hack, bro. It's not. Well, nobody's done it before. How's it hack? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hostel. Uh, hostel, dude. No. Turned into hostel. You're talking past me here. Because I'm I'm talking about the uh, the odds that things go wrong in a way that you can't control because you're not God. Yeah, I'm talking about the bidding. I know, I know you. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. yeah. Um, Haunt has fucking. It's a beautiful set. Every yeah. room is really interesting. All the characters they run into are really interesting. They do a lot of shit. One of one of my things. If you're gonna make a horror movie about a haunt then you need to blur the line between real and fake violence. And you, you have an opportunity to show how macabre it is that we like horror movies because we're essentially watching people die. Now I know it's a release and you know, it's existential horror that we're in, in a palpable way that we can deal with, except, you know, when you're in a fucking hunt, this is my complaint with the houses October built too. It's there. Make people call real violence fake. Because there's so much to unravel there. This movie does all of that, including real scares that are nothing. Like, I mean, like fake. Uh, new gags that could be in a real hunt. And I hope nobody copies that film. And um, they, oh, you know, are there any jack-o'-lanterns in this movie? I was going to call it a good Halloween film. But I don't think I saw one fucking carved pumpkin. And that's important. You need that on a checklist. Anyway, the, the version I watched... Uh, Terrell tipped me off to a uh, Ronin pictures put out a Blu-ray that I don't know if they have it. I've been stalling trying to find it on here. It was $50 purchase price for a uh, Blu-ray. The Blu-ray came with the soundtrack and then it came with six enamel pins, two magnets and five posters. I believe they're 11 by 17 and made out of like heavy stock um, paper. It's fucking cool. One of the posters, too, is the map of the haunt. And uh, it's one of those things where it's so cool that as a collector, I put it all back in the box, which is just a Ronin box, and I threw it on the shelf. So I'm essentially going to touch none of it because it's too cool. (laughs) Yeah. Although the intro to the movie was not that cool by the filmmakers, who I would love to get on the show. I don't think it's their fault. It was just kind of awkward. Yeah, what are you going to do? Make a better intro. We could do that for that. Uh, this was a fun movie. Randy, check it out. Randy, no, it is. It's good. I don't know if Randy would dig it. I, I, I don't even think Randy, he, there's nothing to not dig. I don't even think he'd dig <laughs> Tim Dillon. <laughs> Randy probably wouldn't dig Tim Dillon, but so he's in the movie. And he, he acts because Tim, Tim Dillon does not like Jenny Slate. <laughs> Love Jenny Slate. Well, there you go. Randy, I'll send you a clip a little later. <laughs> All right, uh, Russ, you got anything else? Oh, I could. I mean, did you want to mention Satan's Little Helper, the ritual again? Well, so you say the ritual. Uh, uh-huh. We had to do the ritual a day later. I, I know. Are you bummed out about that? Um, a little bit. Oh, I w- so I was, I was worried you might be, and then in my head I was like, who are you fucking kidding? Clark doesn't give a shit. 
<laughs> well, now no, I feel bad. He, here's why. I just give me a heads up that you guys weren't coming back. I didn't even. Okay, so that what, was it. Here, so let me give some context on Halloween. It turned out we were going to a Halloween thing where you had to be in a costume, and it, it was just a fucking thing. So we got up early, and we're like, you know what? We haven't gone shopping for decorations or a spirit store or anything at all this year, so let's do it. Day of Halloween. The day of, which wasn't bad, honestly. What got all fucked up was the quarantine. So uh, I live in a different city than my mom. My mom received, uh, I think, at least three text messages that said, do not leave your house. If you live in Colma, which is uh, where all of San Francisco's dead bodies got moved, they have signs up that said, no trick-or-treating. We are now in fucking, you know, Nazi Germany and nobody, you know, they're going to start welding our doors shut like we're in China. Anyway, I guess people were like, you know what? Let's carve a fucking pumpkin then. Every goddamn. See, what you do is you go to a grocery store. They usually have huge pumpkins. Mm -hmm. Very cheap. We went to five. They had only warty ones. Those like, what are they called? Heirloom punk. They're fucking gnarly. You can't carve the no. warts. So we, we spent fucking like three hours driving all over different cities out here. Finally, we gave in. We went down to 19th Street where they have a uh, pumpkin patch. And here's the thing. If you're a fan of carving the jack-o'-lantern, you don't want to go to a fucking pumpkin patch. You pay an entry fee to get in, and then you know they have like a cutout of Charlie Brown, and it's like, oh, great. Uh, Instagram's going to love that. And then you look around, and it's like, they barely had any fucking pumpkins. I believe we walked out with five over $100. Jeez. Over a fucking $100. Why? Cut your losses. Yeah. You just saying, you can't, I can't. Year. You know, it's ritual. I like tradition. It's my favorite holiday, even though I treat it so poorly. Which, you know, and part of that was I was stressing out because I'm like, we need to have enough time to watch these movies because I had a Rolodex in my head. Because y'all were going to stream later. Well, because we, we team up with, a, you know, Eddie the Gamer going all those fools whom I love. But you team up with them. Continue. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like you invite people to, to come It's like, hey, you want to play a horror game? Come hang out with us. All the people who I had invited now decided this is the week I'm showing up. So it's like. I just imagine them hosting this thing and I'm being like, I had to go over there. And I was like, is Clark going to care? And in my head, I was like, Clark's not going to give a fuck. So then, yeah, I'm sorry. Now I even feel worse. Again, earlier, that's why I was mentioning I did Halloween 2 because I was so annoyed that it turned out that way that, you know, I hung out and watched. The only thing, and I'm only only talking about it because you bring it up, but I was going to do the Chattanooga thing but I didn't because oh. we were going to watch movies. And then I was like, well, just give me a heads up that you weren't coming back. I feel bad now. I don't feel bad. It's done. No, because normally you don't care about that kind of stuff. And now, now that I know it's you've revealed, you're showing your hands baby. now. Communicate. There's a crack in the armor and the crack spirit the was air. coming through. No, uh, no, no. Here's what you need to realize. <laughs> I, I have no faith. Yeah. And you or Oksana having anything to do with being timely. Oh, yeah. Well, again, I love so, her to death. So, like, uh, yeah, your promptness <laughs> is out the door to begin with. So, yeah, dude. I should know better. That was hours, though. Like, there was no reason. Y'all left at noon. Yeah. I didn't see you till, like, seven. Yeah. And you know what I don't like doing? Shopping for long periods of time. Unless we're at like a, a bookstore or at Amoeba. Especially day of for the thing oh, that you're shopping. God, it, was a, it was not fun. 
But you Rainer, know, are you getting riddled with anxiety just hearing him <laughs> talk about this? Because I am. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I did Randy, buy candy last minute, though. Dude, where did you buy it from? Uh, just CVS. I just walked to CVS down the street. Why don't you make your candy, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, Randy, you would have a fucking heart attack. I went to Party City, and um, I uh, apparently the pandemic's not a thing. Now, I'm not an apologist, and I don't, I don't want to pressure people to stay home. I just think people should wear a mask and like chill out, like you know, uh, I don't be aware of it, dude. It was like the pandemic's not real, but masks are trending. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, there was just everybody was had a mask on, but th- that's it. It was fucking crowded. There were like pregnant women who wouldn't get out of the way. And I, I remember having this mixed emotion of, man, I really, I miss this. Like, I like being around people. And then I had at the same moment, wow, I really fucking hate this. And I hate being around people. So I don't know. Maybe the world will end tomorrow and then we won't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so before we cut you loose, you need to stay tuned to this week's interview, which is incredible let's just go ahead and say it how, how great was tyler um tyler's a homie he's so tight tyler cornick uh writer director star uh musician yeah composer score, composer <laughs> uh to a motion picture entitled butt boy um this is a movie that i found um just by perusing my various streaming networks um and of course, uh, as you know, if you listen to this show, you know that I am very fond of two things, and that is the police procedural and buttholes. <laughs> and when you combine those two things together, this is a perfect movie for me. I I, I have praised Butt Boy on this show. Um, I'm glad that uh, Russell and I are aligned in our love for this. Oh, and yeah. um, it's uh, just the sincere. My and I, I told Tyler this. My favorite thing is the sincere treatment of a ridiculous premise and just playing it straight. And, uh, but boy does a beautiful execution of that. And I, I really pound this home in the interview, uh, pardon the pun. I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. But, uh, it uh, get past the title. I had to Clark told me about this fucking months ago and I look at it. I'm like, Oh, it's an indie thing. I really want to watch it. I regret not having seen it sooner. It is not the comedy that the title would uh, lend itself to be. It, it's yeah, it's good. Listen to the interview. Tyler's really fucking cool and talented, and he's gonna have a career. Also, go on his YouTube page. Yeah, I tweeted a gift box out today, and I'm gonna keep with that theme. This won't be up till Thursday, so if you're hearing this now, uh, go back on there. I'll I'll put our favorites out. So enjoy Tyler and uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, well, Ty- how are you, man? How- how's everything going in the- all this craziness that we've just adopted as regular life now? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I- I'm getting by. It's- it feels like it's been forever. I have, I have days where I want to scream in a pillow <laughs> and, uh, I have other days where I'm fine and I actually enjoy not being around people. So I'm all over the place, but, uh, yeah. Where, where are you guys located? Uh, we're in San Francisco. Okay, cool. Not too far. What about you? Are you in LA? I'm in LA. Yeah, I'm in LA. It's, uh, it's weird because things are starting to open back up, but I don't know how I feel about that. I'm seeing too many people. I don't know if I'm being, 
paranoid or what and you know it's a constant battle right yeah because we we hear about all the other areas in the country there where they're reshutting down again and now here in san francisco they've just reopened theaters so it's sort oh, of boy, like yeah well the theaters this past weekend just opened up so it's um we'll see how long that a, can stick i have a weird feeling it's all going to shut down again i don't know why but we'll see who knows? Well, I mean, you know, the the country may shut down after Tuesday, one way or another. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we got exactly. we got a lot Something, going on, Tyler. Something's gonna happen. Yep. So how how long have uh, how long you been in L.A.? Are you an L.A. native? No, no, no. I'm from the East Coast. Uh, my, my my family lives in Pennsylvania, so I'm kind of from there. I grew up in Florida too. Okay. Um. So yeah, just back and forth from those two areas, and I moved out here around ten years ago now. So. It's home for me now, but um, not a native, no. Yeah, R- Russ is the only native Californian here at this table. Is uh, I'm originally from Mississippi, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've been here I for... A little su- I, s- I hear a little southern twang in there. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, Tyler, why, why get rid of it, you know? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's great. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, yeah, it's basically, just speak like you normally would, but just slow it down a little bit, and you'll get there. Yeah. That's yeah. all I got to do. It's going to be weird. I can't do accents. Everyone's uncomfortable when I do that. Oh, oh can we have a taste? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't, you don't want that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too insecure. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll send you a voice memo or something later. I need a few rehearsals, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, we were doing a, a deep dive uh, on all your shorts this morning. Uh, oh, boy. Man, I'm so sorry. No, it's honestly like it's we watched a lot of them uh, just uh, rapid fire and we, we we watch these shorts and then we see the view count and then we realize the injustice that's happening in the world <laughs> and that that's you're awesome. right in the middle of it. Man, it's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. They're, they're ridiculous. But um, yeah, we had a little bit of a hot streak there for a second. We kind of stopped doing those after we did the movie because like other opportunities have been coming but we're starting to miss it because there's a um i mean it's just such a blast to shoot those things you know it's kind of mindless and we just go and there's so much fun to shoot because there's not too much pressure yeah uh yeah but the idea is you know the idea with that was we're all film guys and we all just want it you know when instagram youtube's a very overwhelming place at this point it's almost impossible to start from the from the ground up the ground up so when uh instagram made their videos a minute we were like oh maybe we could just do like a little short every week a little weird short and see if it gets people's attention and uh yeah that was kind of the idea behind it <laughs> it's then, embarrassing though when my when i go home and my my dad and his buddies are talking about our weird cum jokes and all that it's weird but i uh as a former stand-up comedian i'm quite fond of the uh, the first uh, open mic Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I forgot. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's very good, dude. Tyler, it sounds like you're you're not. I don't know. I the comedy, your style of shooting. It's I. I think it's fair to say it's exactly what me and you like. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's oh, that's great. Hyper technical. Your it's precision, and then the comedy is smart and um, not pretentious and. Dude, Tiny Cinema is your YouTube channel. Everybody, check that thing out. I'm going to be tweeting those for probably a month. You've just given me content. Dude, I feel like I've hit a gold mine. I I have something I can plug real quick. 
that might get you guys excited actually sure. is a it's a li- little natural segue here but we're actually shooting right now the tiny cinema movie oh. or we're in pre-production for it so the company that put out um butt boy epic pictures uh we we shot this for a pilot a while back we were like talking to adult swim and a bunch of different companies about doing a, a what would be a weird tv show of tiny cinema just to expand what we're doing a little bit more just make them a little bit longer you know and have mm-hmm. a little bit more character arc but still shorts nonetheless and we shot a pilot and it went around town and then because of the coronavirus it all kind of got shut down but the company that put out butt boy uh we shot two chapters of it and they decided to turn it into like an anthology kind of movie. So we're in the uh, we're in pre-production right now as we speak. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with these shutdowns and everything? But um, sure. you know, we're we're in the beginning of it. So there's going to be a full movie kind of more catered to some of the Instagram stuff. It's kind of like a hybrid between what Buff Boy was and the Instagram stuff. If that makes sense. Oh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? I, I feel like yeah. that could mean a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I what it is is our the best way to word it is it's kind of our version of the Twilight Zone, I guess you would call it. Okay. So it's in the same universe as what we did in Butt Boy. It's literally like the same town. So it's it's kind of like a month. We we're saying it's like a month after <laughs> what went down in Butt Boy, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, you know, only people who enjoy Butt Boy will see that. You can watch it either way. But um, uh. Yeah, basically, it's a, it's a six chapters rolled into one, all different short films. And it's this weird host that's guiding you through that same world that was in Butt Boy. And they're all different. They're all different chapters of different, different little tiny cinema stories. And some are, we, di- we redid some old ones, and then some are brand new. So there's six different ones. Uh, yeah, that were, and we've already shot two of them, which we did before the virus, which was that pilot. And now we're shooting four more at the end of November, early December. So now, not to spoil anything, but are we going to have any overlapping characters in between Butt Boy and, and this project? Yes, okay. yes, there is. There's a there's a few there's a few like little Easter egg stuff. Again, nothing too obnoxious because you know we're not we're not Marvel here, but <laughs> <laughs> but just for fun, you know, it's just funny to us to kind of carry it on. And it it, it was one of those things where it like organically would work out and. Um, yeah and yeah so we're just going for it there's little things like the I, I can even say you know the police detective is in it he's he's the chief and a completely different story um and yeah there's a bunch of little things so all right now you say the first off i was talking to clark earlier and i made the argument that i think we should completely go untethered into butt boy and we should just spoil it. I think <laughs> that's it, the way to do it. I hear. Yeah, it. We just got to dive in head first and uh, easy. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. If you're listening right now and you haven't seen Butt Boy, go do it. I personally, uh, Clark, you what covered it like a year ago? You huh? watch. You watch this a long time. No, ago, the movie you? just came out in April. Oh, it, it's just 2020 then. Yeah, it just feels yeah, like that, been- <laughs> that's fair. Well, for me, for me, it feels like so long. It, it was such a long process, like such a long journey after we were done. So. I mean, we finished that movie so long ago now, and it's like, you know, it's weird to say that it just came out, but it kind of just did, <laughs> which so, is weird. Shit, were you able to do like a traditional festival run with it? Oh, yeah. We're still doing festivals in, um international, but um, we premiered a fantastic fest in Austin. Oh, good. I yeah, bet that was it, amazing. It really well. So much came from that. It was it was amazing. It's It was like the perfect place for it. So, 
um, it did really well there. We got a lot of press. So that was kind of like the launching point of it. And then, yeah, it's still doing festivals, actually. Um, it did. I think it's like in Italy this week. Oh, and uh, yeah, all over the place. Those just the midnight movie crowds, you know. The guys oh, for sure. But I think, you know, our art fans and um, fans of just genre film should should embrace it. Now, if you're listening again, I, I want, there's so much I want to ask that uh, I say we just spoil it. It's currently on Amazon Prime, so it's very fucking accessible. You should watch it. If mm-hmm. if you're like me and you have Clark, who I trust, no telling, me, telling me I should watch this movie, don't do what I did. I threw it in my queue, and then I didn't watch it. It sat there, and I found the title of the film to be like almost like a 10-foot pole. I just couldn't... I knew I, you were going to have to get past the I title. know. And, you know, eventually eventually, we got the director on here. I'm like, all right, I got to watch it now. And, man, I was fucking missing out. I love it. Oh, I, I'm going to say it's... Um, I'm gonna, if only you would trust me more. It's, it's a blend of, uh, oh, man, Douglas Sirk meets uh, Taxi Driver. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> we're we're, wow. we're, we're doing... <laughs> No, no, we, we've got a uh, hyper-utopia suburban life uh, in juxtaposition with a gritty cop drama. And uh, the realities of these two dudes who ultimately just get no respect from this world that seems to be working perfectly, but just not for them, collide. And uh, I can't tell you one aspect of this movie that I didn't think was perfect. The, the music, the cinematography, I love the acting. And when we're dealing with something called Butt Boy and the premise that we get into, I, I struggled all day trying to put your movie in a box. Yeah, and, and I that think, was the idea, though. That's the idea. Hey, and you win. I mean, you know, I'm not surprised that you mentioned Adult Swim early on because there's a little bit of Tim and Eric in there. And uh, totally. this, is, this is a compliment. You kind of strike me as an Eric Wareheim type. Oh, thank you. Except... I don't think he could have played your character because you're also the star of this movie. And uh, I don't think he could have pulled off Chip. There's, there's oh, that's nice to say. You're being so nice. I don't even know what to say. And you did a great <laughs> job in explaining the film. That's one of the best. Because uh, I still have trouble when people ask what it is. I have, I have no fucking idea what to tell them. You know, I'm like, just just watch it. Just go in and watch it. And well, that was great. What you did about them, what you said about them two guys living in this world that's already working and i mean that's it well i mean i i you know me and clark were talking and it's like i was telling him i'm like god man it's just a title it was scared me where you know clark is a dude who would jump into the film excitedly i mean let's be honest here (laughs) now i i share i share all of russell's uh sentiments uh with the summation of the film and and how it was received however the title is what drew me to the movie and (laughs) i knew that it would repel russell Yes. I, well, I was, that was kind of, um, I mean, to us originally, the title is the, that's our one wink to the camera, basically. That's, a, that's originally what the idea was to let you know this is a stupid movie. But what ended up happening was it ended up becoming, it ended up creating more buzz, weirdly, negative or positive. More people were talking about it because of the title than we expected, even at, at Fantastic Fest it would become this conversation where it's like, but boy, what is that? And why are people talking, like, what could that possibly be? And it became like this buzz kind of thing. So it really worked to our benefit in the long run. We, we, we um, talked about changing it to a more serious film name at one point, but it was just like, no, let's just stick with our guts and do it. And um, yeah, it's kind of grown on me. I've gone, I've gone back and forth so many times. And uh, I think it got some extra 
you know, attention because of it. And I think it, it creates more of a surprise when you do watch it as uh, risky as it might be to do something like that, you know? Now, I, the only reason that I, I found the name adverse or like hard to get through is because Butt Boy to me rings as a very upbeat comedy. Like almost right. like like what hubby Bubble Halloween, boy. yeah, right, yeah. Like it's like oh yeah. man, we're having a good time here. It's butt boy, and I'm like man, Literally. I fucking hate that. I yeah and- yeah, and I I honestly thought that too at first. You know, the original short was called Butt Boy, and then once we were starting to make the movie, I'm like, people are going to think this is like Bubble Boy, but yeah. what can you do? Now you now know? see the cool thing about tiny cinema is the original title and short being Butt Boy. You jump into it and maybe you are expecting something upbeat and it even kind of starts that way. And then it yeah, takes, yeah. it's so quick, like just the arc you have to get through that we end up yeah. in a dark place and it's over before you know it. Where this right, movie, right. I think you did a good job of portraying that because we open up with that, with the work office and uh, me and Clark have shared stories. I, where did you apply where they gave you a group interview? Oh, a car dealership. Right. And it's like. Boy. And and I always I feel like that guy, where it's like you look around the room and it's like where what world do these people live in? How did, in how did I end up here? Yeah, and they're a little bit, they're different creatures, you know. They're they're a different species than you are. <laughs> yeah, and and like the whole time you're just it's inverted, and you're like, why am I here? And it's almost like you're beating yourself up. It's like I don't want to be one of them, but clearly I applied here. And right, I, so am I. <laughs> so yeah. in the very beginning of the movie, I'm like. First, everything looks beautiful. Like right off the bat, we have we have oh, a camera in you. focus. We watch a lot of Amazon Prime, and that's not a given all the time. And it had it had a very polished look. And by the time we do our little three sixty spin and we land on you, I thought this is the shit. This movie it's gonna get bleak. And oh, okay. uh, and it did right. And it, oh. I'd say so. Now. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we jump around. You don't. You don't have any plan no, to attack, right? Sure, you kid and play. Do, All right, I'm enjoying. That. Now, one of the things I was telling Clark is we we were discussing the comedy of your film, and um, I came I came to the conclusion that the comedy moments in your film are like very subtle and direct. Like one of mine was a, uh, I believe one of the um the boys says this is a really crappy situation, and he says pardon the pun. Yeah, and it's like yeah. da- it's downplayed. Like a spotlight right. doesn't hit him, and then he he delivers that punchline, and it works. Yet, right. <laughs> because of the absurd premise, there was a moment where I guess Oksana, um, the one who you were talking to briefly before, she does all our. She's the real uh, gears behind our show. She was like, "So is the movie about the little boy who was lost in the butt? Is that why it's called Butt Boy?" And we had this like, "What do you guys I, think?" I hadn't, it hadn't even crossed my mind. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's something that came up uh, again. I guess like as we finished the script that came up, is it, is it him or is it me kind of thing? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, you know, is he born? I know, I'm not it's the lady in the tiger. You yeah. know? <laughs> Wait, what is that? Fill me in. Yeah, on you the, never, oh, you, you don't know. Think a filmmaker that created Butt Boy would say this, but that's for you to decide, man. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, no, I'm, it's very important that you continue to say that we, we've talked to people and they've given us direct answers and it's like, don't do that, man. Yeah. You're killing. You yeah. You don't, don't unravel the enigma. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. Okay. Briefly. The thing I wanted that ultimately made this a uh, downbeat drama for me 
was when when his son was discovered. Again, we're spoiling this. If you haven't figured that out, I warned you. Yeah. And um, I, in my mind, because you allow the audience to think, there's a lot of breathing allowed in your in your pace in this film. And I was right. like, please, just talk to him. I know you didn't go to school. I know you didn't have a parent in here. But let's just pretend you grew up normal somehow, yeah. even though, and then yeah. you, you, you didn't do it. And I went, yeah. oh, this is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he can't talk, though. I mean, think about it. Oh, no. Yeah, if somebody yeah. were trapped in a butt their whole life. Yeah. It's all he knows. I, but I knew, but I'm like, but he's trapped in a butt. Let him get away with this. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but if that's all you've known is, you know, I think we world. may have had a line in at one point. Uh, no, we didn't. Maybe not. We <laughs> talked about it. We talked, we talked about this stuff, you know, all right. we talked about it. What like, I, what, what, it's like, well, what do they eat? And there's that scene, you know, oh, yeah. man, what a scene rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, that was funny because uh, I, I believe one of the parents of the kids, they were, they were like, no, he's not doing that. And I was like, all right, it's just brown. We made brownies. Who doesn't like brownies, you know? Yeah. yeah. And the other kid was fine. So we had this cool shot that went all around while everybody ate it. If you, if you watch the film, it's only uh, one kid. Only one kid does it because the other wouldn't. So Wait, they drew the line at eating brownies, but yeah. being sucked into <laughs> <Exactly>. the butt. <laughs> I don't think they were fully comprehended. We were so cautious about this um, up front just because of what it is. We didn't want anybody to not like figure this out while we were filming. But we we warned everybody uh, very early on in the audition process. And we were like, this is this is what this movie is, just so you know. And uh, and the parents were great. I mean, some of the parents were were so cool and awesome and super into it and laughing and got it. And uh, others were, we weren't sure why they were saying yes, but they said yes. And yeah, it ended up working out. There's a lot of kids in it. There's a lot of kids I cut out too. Like the, um, the bring your kid to work day, that whole bit had a lot more kids in it that didn't make it. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> and why was that just uh, parents being difficult or? No, no, it was just pacing. It was just editing decisions. It was like, no, they could have very well have been in it. It was just, uh, just pacing stuff. We, we did a the original script didn't have that non-linear um I don't know if you remember this but the office part during the interrogation where he starts counting then he goes to the police station and then it comes back to the detective finding out um you know it, it, it you don't see what happens until he's interrogating him does that yeah. make sense Yeah yeah what I'm talking about um yeah so that was an editing find it, it before it just played out and then we discovered in the editing oh it'd be cool to not show it and then you know go show it that way no know? if there's one thing how fucking litigious were you with it's like i feel like every angle every moment of this film had been thoroughly thought through and like planned am am i am i right <laughs> no you're not i i'm really i'm uh i'm a big prep guy so I mean, I was acting in it too, which was, you know, I didn't think I was necessarily going to do, but it just ended up making sense at the time. And like, I wasn't crazy about the idea of acting in it because I can only do so much as an actor, but, and I just didn't want to take away from the directing side of it. Um, but yeah, so what I did was I, I storyboarded literally every frame of the movie and I, and I printed out all of that stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, okay. I mean, that's just out of, it's not even out of like being obnoxious or anything. It's just, I, the only way I'll feel comfortable and prepared is to do it that way. And I, uh, you know, I love cameras and lenses and all that stuff. And I think the key to this was making it, you know, making it as cinematic as we possibly could with the money we had. So, yeah. Which, which you absolutely did. I mean, when I was stunned when I saw the budget uh, for what you made it. And, but, but it answered a lot of questions when we watched uh, Tiny Cinema today because I was like, clearly, this is the same team, like the same team that you've been working with with Tiny Cinema. I mean, you pretty much did Butt Boy, right? It's pretty much the right. same. Yeah, there was there were it was about fifty fifty. We we brought some new people on just to make the team a little bit bigger. But yeah, it's the same core people. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell because everything is harmonious, man. Because what you've done is it. It's my favorite thing is that when you take a ridiculous premise and you treat it with the utmost sincerity. Where you play it straight, it's my favorite thing, and this oh, was you. this was done to perfect execution. And I don't think it would have worked if you weren't the lead. Correct. That was my next point. So yeah, yeah like oh well, thank you. You come on this show, Tyler, and you, you're gonna <laughs> pit, you're gonna take the piss out of your own acting. Not on this show, sir. Okay, because like it's well, it's your that. it's your demeanor, and it, because if. I think there's a danger, and I think it was very advantageous to have you as the director be the lead because you controlled the pace mm -hmm. uh, with everything. Because everything is fed off how your energy is expelled in the story. And because you play everything so straight, it adds to the intrigue of this movie. And it, it, it really settles you in this world where the ridiculous premise is like you accept it it's not a, it's not a winky thing it's not like oh he's gonna suck you up with the butthole it's like oh we're going in the butthole now okay let's yeah, go yeah. of course we're going in the butthole. yes yeah well and you did you guys well thank you very much saying that you guys are so nice but did you guys did you guys want to go into the butthole or were you like oh shit they're just they're I, going if we didn't i would have questioned that decision i would have questioned the budget Honestly, I felt like the movie, I like you had laid the grain, the the groundwork to to. I was on board. I'm like, if we go in the butt, I already in my mind had thought these people are probably not dead. And earlier, see, dude, you're the master. I knew we were going in the butt. You're you're the so when we were talking about can we spoil this? I was like, well, we got to talk about the butt like set, and then it's like, well, yeah, I already have now. So right, and and it was like, well. The butt is kind of a spoiler. Like if we go in it, because there was a moment where I didn't know. Except in hindsight of watching your film, I realized you're the master of the fucking um, Chekhov's uh, Tabasco. Or <laughs> like you're foreshadowing. Dude, I, I mean, I feel like we're pretty hip. We watch a lot of cool movies. <laughs> Couple cool and, cats. Over. And you know, you're, you sit around with your friends and they're like, oh, Chekhov's clothesline. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, the camera work really betrayed that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're writing, dude, we got Chekhov's uh, abducted kid, Chekhov's, uh, yeah, hot sauce. Chekhov's baby, Chekhov's hot sauce. Dude, you, I, you had such mastery over this story that I, I have to call it out. I think there's one shot oh. you didn't plan for. What's that? Uh, there's a moment, there's a showdown in an alleyway, and you charge at Russell, and uh, you're shot. It, it's like uh, the camera's moving um, from left to right, and you're running alongside a train. I feel yeah. like that must have been spontaneous. 
That was planned, actually. Motherfucker. I knew the train schedule. That was oh, <laughs> that was a God, you, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you try to go that with was, one point, Russ, and then he's like, "No, I, I, I plan mean, even more than you think." There's a lot of shots I didn't plan, but that just happens to not be one of them. But it, that was um funny story about that it was like a lot of this we did have to shoot gorilla because we were like we literally don't have enough money. So all the night exterior stuff, like when he's on the hunt or I'm chasing him, that's all gorilla. So that. That location is a is a power plant. I've always been crazy about on camera and um, in Pasadena. And we were all, we were. We, it was like half the crew could come because we literally couldn't have that many people there. We're like doing this so under the radar, and it's a pretty big scene. But I was like, fuck it. If we don't, if we don't get it or something happens, we'll find somewhere else and just reshoot it because everybody's down to do this, whatever. So we did it. That was the second take of that shot. We were there, and um, the cops showed up oh. right when we got that take. And uh, they were like, you know, doing cop things. But then I talked to them and, you know, years of doing gorilla shit, you get like kind of this rhythm down and, I, and they were they were cool. They were like, OK, whatever. So they had to call. I guess a guy who worked at the power plant called the police on us. Um, I have another crazy story that <laughs> is even more crazy than this after this. But uh, yeah, the cops just called and, they, and the cop was like trying to beg the power plant person to keep letting us film, which was kind of great uh regardless he was like no they have to leave they can't be here and we went we went back the next day and shot the rest in the same spot wait why was the it cop was, begging was he like were you offering well, him a role we, we ended up having a vibe <laughs> uh we, had, we ended up just getting along we ended up just hitting it off and i explained what the movie what i really wanted to detail what, what was going on and i was like look we got one shot at the and they just ended up being nice nice dudes and they, uh they called i wouldn't say begging he was just like come on can't they just get <laughs> can't they just have another two hours they're not hurting anyone like that kind of thing but uh that was pretty great and uh but yeah that's my memory of that location um and yeah i knew the train schedule and we had a mat put out so we would wait in between the the, the train comes there every 15 minutes so it's okay. not like too crazy gotcha. um so we would just have to wait in between we would do one take a break and then just wait here it comes and then <laughs> and then run for it so was this all in the LA area? Yeah, the whole movie was in LA. Yeah, it was all over the place. And we wrote the script knowing we weren't going to have a lot of money. So it was like, um, we would write for locations we knew we could get, like places we already knew existed. And what about, the, what about the office? The office was a real office and they were renting it out kind of under the table. I, I can talk about it now because I don't think it exists, but... It was a shady, it was an office. It was just blank. And we put up the RTM, the RTM stuff. All of that was stuff we added in. But um, they were letting some people shoot like under the table. So we really lucked out with that location. We were there for like a week and we just paid this guy who ran it under the table. We we're like, hey, can we just shoot in here? That was a really lucky find. It was, that was Craigslist. Really? Damn. Yeah. Which was crazy. And then we would shoot out in that hallway outside of the office, too. Just but It was 2 in the morning, so no one was there. So we would just go out there and shoot all that stuff. But, yeah, we got really lucky there because that could have been a pretty big expense, you know? Man, I, I'm shocked to hear that you had half a crew for those night shots because uh, they are just as beautiful and clean and polished as everything else. And I actually thought you might have needed a bigger crew for them. So no. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, all the night stuff, like the stuff in the car, a lot of the stuff in the car I even shot because we would go out and we can't get, 
that many people in the car. So like when the, when the detectives on the run on the highway, that's literally us on the one ten <laughs> freeway. Oh, fuck yeah. We were going. <laughs> we're going. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that road, but it's it's fucking crazy. <laughs> and uh, but this we needed the speed, you know, to have it like just to have it sell there. So. Yeah, it was all stuff like that, man. We would just go out and get in the car. Some of the stuff where he's chasing me, like the tunnel, there was four of us there, including the actor. Or no, five of us, including the actor. Damn. So, but that was another, again, we knew these locations. So that was another location. I knew I always wanted to shoot something in that little tunnel there. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of being familiar with the territory and just little tricks, you know? All right, we can't. Uh, have a conversation about the locations without talking about uh, what may be my favorite scene in the film uh, was the laser tag. Oh, yeah. Dude, butt boy and cuties are bringing back the laser tag. (laughs) Isn't that wild? It was so wild to me that I couldn't I couldn't think of another film. Oh, they had laser Uh, tag? They had a laser tag sequence. I was just like, is there an action? Is there an action, kind of an action he's seen in a laser tag? It was very surprising to me. Um, I can't other than cuties. <laughs> yeah, cuties, yeah. Well, I just mean besides that, that was it, you know? I can't um, think of one right now. No, no I'm trying. <laughs> that was just crazy to me because it feels like such an 80s concept. It feels yeah. like something like like a kindergarten cop scene or something like that. Right. You know? or, yeah, early 90s, well, late 80s. My, my problem with laser tag was every time I played it, I was disappointed. <laughs> I I always remember getting hurt, like running into people or hit with a gun. And then I felt like they were always inaccurate. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of drama surrounding the set of a laser tag. You know what I mean? It's always, you've always got the black lights. You've always got some sort of, um, geometric dystopian (laughs) landscape that you're having to navigate around. Always a pinch of jungle in there. Yeah. Yeah. Loud music being pumped in. Dry filming in there for 24 hours. It it became a nightmare, but... (laughs) Is that is that how long you had to do? Is that how long that take took? Well, no. I mean, we shot like the all the party stuff. So that was another thing where we got that really cheap too, because we 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 had a bigger Instagram following at the time. We've kind of fallen off a little bit because we haven't been posting. But um, we we promoted their <laughs> place of establishment. That was part of our deal. Oh, nice. And we'll we'll post about this place every day and. Um, and yeah, and pay you X amount. And we got that for cheap. So all the birthday party stuff was also there. It's uh, oh, shout gotcha. out to Jungle Zone and Glendale. Whoa. Wait, that's where it was. Jungle Zone? Wasn't yeah. the Jungle and DQ Zone or something? W- weren't those? Discovery Zone. Yeah. Discovery Zone, yeah. Did they like, like a- is that like the last one that came together and are holding out somewhere? No, this is a family, like, this gotcha. is a family run place. Armenian family runs it. Oh, I was shocked. I I remember hearing a story about a ball pit and a viper in Texas, and then I thought they oh, were yeah. gone from the country. Yeah, no, th- I don't think this has anything to do with that. I'm like trying to protect. <laughs> I think that was at a Burger King. <laughs> I remember I I lived in Texas when that happened, and my mother told me that story. Never went in a ball pit ever again. Oh, now Thanks, I think Mom. it might be an urban oh, legend. Yeah. I always th- I think about that every time I see a ball pit. I'm like, there's there's snakes in there. Why are you guys? <laughs> Why are you doing this? And then Johnny Knoxville threw a couple, you know, uh, boa constrictors in there for Jackass. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah, you're right. Now yeah. they're filming legend. another Jackass, by the way. I'm down. Fuck yeah, I'm down too. You know, wait, hold on. I'm going to take too. this opportunity. So when we were looking at your IMDb, I, w- I was ready to come in here and be like, "Dude, what the fuck? This is a hell of a first feature film." Except it looks like you made another movie about a uh, a couple of criminals who. <laughs> 
have a film crew follow them around? You know, and- I don't know why that says feature on there. That was more of like a web series thing that could have been taken as into a feature. I don't know why it says that. I think the guy that was hoping we make he, he was hoping it was going to be a feature. But that was years ago. Yeah, that was called The Pocketeers, um, which is uh, it's completely different, but it's, <laughs> it's a little bit more on the nose funny and it's uh th- have you ever seen man i think it's called bites man dog. bites dog yeah now here's yeah. the thing so tyler i i can i get from your vibe that this might come up and then you have to explain it it's like one of those things Th- not to us we we run a uh we i'm gonna be really quick here i apologize to everybody listening we we run a, a film festival and we only show in-world camera films so like uh found footage horror faux documentary and pov cinema so when, oh, right. whenever we see a dude who makes a film like Butt Boy, that's just firing on all cylinders, and then we look back and they're like, Did he make a fucking faux doc? Dude, <laughs> we get so excited because, yeah. We, we love a faux doc. We love a faux doc. Well, don't get too excited because it it's a little rough in some part. I mean, I was so young when I did it, but there's actually moments in it that I, I adore. I can send it to you guys if you want to oh, watch it. Oh, please do. I, I spent a fair amount of time looking for it. Yeah, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. Oh it's no! Not really please do because I mean, clearly you're talented. You directed, you co-wrote this movie, and you star in it. And when we're talking to filmmakers, normally we try to get them to embrace the idea. Like uh, we mostly do horror stuff, and the horror community is the first to shit on found footage horror. And it's like, right. look, narratively, you kind of have no rules here. We're almost doing like a dogma film, and there's a lot of opportunity to just do different kind of storytelling. And then most people are like, oh, we hear you, but uh, they're dumb. And like, we don't want to make paranormal activity. So when we right, see a right. talent like you making a photoc, it's like, oh, shit. Well, it was the idea too. Was it was kind of a spoof on Fodox as well. So it's like it. perfect. That's that, well. Yeah. I mean, so I say Fodox because early on when we started doing this, I thought mockumentary was a derogative term. And, oh yeah, I mean that's what we called it. You know. Well, no, and I understand it now. Mockumentary is they're making fun of the format. So right. that's literally like Spinal Tap. It's making mm-hmm. fun of the pretentious, um, supposedly built-in truth that is a documentary. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, no. I, I'm sorry. I get very excited about that shit. Please send it to yeah, me. Yeah. No. Of course. All right. Now back to the tunnel of butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I'll send you guys that link for sure. Wait. And also, you teased a crazier story too, and I don't want to. I don't want to bury that. Of of pocketeers. No. No. Um. We were talking about the train, and then you said you you had a oh, crazier well, story. Actually, that is from pocket. That's what I was going to bring up. Again. Oh. It, it's actually from pocketeers. Oddly enough. Oh, um, please. From years back, but it's just another gorilla. I always try to tell friends the story that I just met or whatever. But um, yeah, we were shooting a bank robbery scene uh, for that because these criminals that are being filmed, they start to they switch. The whole plot is they they go from pickpocketing and they switch over to armed robbery. They're upgrading in the criminal chart, trying to get more out of their you know out of being a thief. So they rob their first liquor store and we shoot it. We go in again, we get two takes and uh, we, we paid these guys under the table. I knew these convenience store owners and I just paid them. I I don't even, it must've been not a lot, but uh, (laughs) they locked, they locked the doors and they were in the back and whatever. So we're, we're doing the second take mid mid take. There's all these knots in the doors and there's lasers on our chest. The SWAT team and LAPD, somebody saw us filming and thought we were robbing the place for real. And oh my god! 
And then we all had to come out. We all have masks on because we're rough. Like, <laughs> we're doing the scene. But the guy in the back who owns it, we're yelling. And he thinks it's part of the scene. And I'm like, no, the police oh. are fucking here. <laughs> so we, and they have a gun. And I guess we go outside. And there's this rookie cop that's there. Oh, and he's no. like, dude, you're so to my buddy. Uh, Tyler's in that as well. By the way, that's in Pocketeers. The other guy is Fox. That's how oh. crazy his range is. But uh, he he got he was about to get shot. The rookie guy was like, dude, you have no idea how close I was to opening fire on you. Cause he, what, we couldn't what? hear them. And, the, and we were just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, just crazy shit. Man. Now, now, because you remember to yell cut. I don't, well, because uh, it's a yeah, faux no, dog. I, I did not yell cut there. I <laughs> yeah. wanted him to keep rolling. Even if the camera was at the ground, just like in case it became illegal, but they let us yeah. go. They let us go. Now, uh-huh. because no it is fine, a faux doc, did you, great. did you use any of the footage? Oh, I got the take, man. It's like my favorite shot of the movie. Oh, so the police showing up, you, you used it? Uh, no, it cuts out before that. I cut around it. I just oh. I completely cut around it. Because it, it tur- as soon as the camera guy saw the, the, the cops, he turned off. It was like, it wasn't cool. But um, yeah. now, I think I used the previous take. The first take is the one I used. So. Holy shit. See, man, found footage horror. It's so... <laughs> so we talked to this guy, Adrian Tofe. He made a movie called um, Be My Cat. Uh, the premise of that film is uh, Adrian Tofe is himself. He's moved back home with his mom, and he bought a camera off of eBay. He did all this shit in real life to make uh, in pursuit of verisimilitude in his film. And uh, he, he hired girls off Craigslist, and he told them, when you show up, if I'm speaking in English, this is the movie. If I'm speaking in uh, Armenian, I, I believe he's Romanian. Romanian, he said. Then that's out of the movie. So every girl in that film, there's three of them that show up. That's the first time they've ever met this guy, and uh, they all try to talk to him in Romanian, and he says, "No, no, no, we're speaking English now." One of those times, the police showed up, and uh, that was not planned either. But he, they, they said, uh, "You have to get rid of this footage, and uh, you can't film out here." And he put it in the fucking movie. Yeah. So. I, I that's lo- so cool though dude i, I like love hearing that yeah no definitely check out are you a horror fan what, what kind of uh, film influences do you have um you know i yeah i'm an everything fan i'm not i didn't think i would like butt boy being like my first feature i didn't really expect to dive into that genre that's not what i'm ultimately looking to do still and i just it was just an opportunity where i was like <laughs> All right, cool. I'm just gonna do this because I could, you know, I could kind of see it, and I and the guy I wrote it with Ryan, we could really, it just came out really natural. Like we we just started writing it, and it was done within you know a month. We had a draft of it, and it was like, oh, okay, this is just. Whenever anything, I'm a musician as well, and whenever anything like that happens with the song, where it's just like off the cuff, it's just great, organic, it happens. It typically ends up being something really nice and special at least personally to you you know what i mean yep. and uh it was very much like that so i was like why not i'm just gonna go with it i'm not doing anything else I might as well do this but to answer your question yeah i mean i love horror movies i never saw myself uh being kind of in the horror world i'm kind of intimidated by the horror world a little bit um why you know i just i love genres and i love comedy the most so mixing any genres into with a with you know comedy at the core is kind of what i'm interested in no matter what it is so that's good to hear because i i like your brand of comedy for sure and i'm not a comedy fan (laughs) i'm getting there you've improved a lot yeah clark's he's held my hand i've had a lot of sleepless (laughs) nights (laughs) 
Now, I don't want to get away um, from talking about your uh, other lead, Tyler. Now, he, I have a, I have a grievance to air with you. His character, his, his character named Russell Fox. Right. Now, I share a, a name, Russell, with this character, and I have two L's in my name. And everywhere, I am gypped in L. I feel like you're reinforcing this bad habit. <laughs> Is there two? In my I name. Know. I mean, so I've even read reviews of your there's film. Two at the, the, yeah, there's two at the end, really. Yeah, and uh, I've read reviews of your film, and people put in two L's. And I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Oh, wow. So what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I mean, I, I, Russ, I have sort I have sort of the same thing as my name is Clark, and a lot of people want to put an E on that. Oh, really? Yeah. I've seen I've seen that I think, but I've never seen the Russell. But then again, you don't run into that many Russells, or you no. don't see them that on paper. You guys are a rare breed. It's a yeah. great name. I'm I'm happy to share it with uh, Russell Fox. He's a cool <laughs> character. Russell, Russell B Fox. Fox. <laughs> Now, what, what was the inspiration for that guy, like the alcoholic cop? Because you strike me as somebody who doesn't like to uh, fall in with tropes too uh, too often, and that guy yeah. could have been very yeah. tropey. Yeah. Well, the idea is I liked playing with tropes a little bit in this, so it wasn't completely uncomfortable and otherworldly. So I tried to get a lot of tropes in there, particularly from the '80s, early '90s, like things you have seen, like you've been in this diner before you've been you've seen a character like this before you've seen it a bunch of times but the movie just so happens to be this wild thing so part of the movie was like kind of an homage to movies that we all love as a group like you know we love heat and we love uh you know like you said taxi driver all that stuff um you know like the the golden era as i call it uh how everyone calls it um <laughs> just homage <laughs> Every, uh, just so homages to that stuff and then just some bad 80s stuff like even with the score when we were playing with the score we were going to have like these wailing guitar solos when uh when fox was on screen and we ended up getting rid of that because it was too much but it was very conscious to try to make everybody feel like oh i've been in this movie before i've seen it but this is a wild take on it if that makes sense and you're right i don't i don't love tropes but i thought it should have a little bit of that so it's e a little bit easier to stomach in some areas no pun intended and well, uh you know tropes yeah. they're they're useful as a kind of like um uh, so one one thing when i was watching your film i was so intrigued by what you thought the audience should be doing at almost every point because it's so unconventional and you know when when we're talking about tropes what they really do is for a general audience they really act like a guiding light like when when um russell's introduced as a detective you get so much baggage in cinema history right there that you kind of like you know him in a way that you don't need exposition to reveal and I, right. it's a guiding light yet your film I mean, uh, I related it to Douglas Sirk because when we're looking at um, Chip's home, it's like a very Hollywood studio framed perfectly. It looks like nobody's ever lived in it, like utopia. Right. And then we're contrasting- Nuclear with, family. Yeah, nuclear family setup. And then we're contrast with a long shot of a gruff detective walking into an AA meeting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just the film yeah. language is so broad. Yeah, and I think that's like the that's what I was talking about, like being you know mixing different genres and playing with that stuff is you know like both of those worlds are worlds that I love, like the suburban, you know, like a like almost 
I don't know if you guys know any of like Todd Solon's films. Oh, sure. Yep. Like bright colors like that. Like some of his pictures in some areas, especially with like the exterior stuff at Chip's house, whatever. Um, and then mixing in the grimy stuff, like just, just combining all these different things that you love and try to make it somehow work cohesively in one story, if that makes sense. Oh, you did it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Well, if, I'm glad to hear that. I'm if I was like a that. money guy and you showed up and you're like, I got a script, it's butt boy. And uh, right. here's how I want to shoot it. I don't know if I even could have comprehended how this film would look. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, it was if, tough. Dude, like, how, how did you pitch it? Um, well, we had another investor in mind that was exactly what you're saying. He wanted to make it really silly and get, get other people. Um, cause we were coming off of tiny cinema and the guy claimed he liked tiny cinema and we were like, okay, cool. But he didn't really feel like our people necessarily We're like, does he really get what we're doing? Yeah. Um, and it was just, he offered to pay double actually oh, wow. you know, he was, of what we had. And it was like, well, dude, this doesn't, we're not going to change what we're going to do. Cause that's, that defeats the purpose. We'll just, I mean, anybody can make a silly thing about guy. Put, it, it was just too much. And he wanted to bring new people in and it was like, whatever. So I, you know, I had a a friend of mine that was, he's always, he was at the time looking to invest into films. And, uh, I told him, you know, I, I was just letting him know whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I could do it for half of that. And, uh, we ended up just doing that. So there was two offers on the table. So there was that voice telling me to do all that stuff. But to me, it was like, no, there's no, the whole point of it is playing it straight and, making something unique out of it. Otherwise it just would have been, you know, what everybody expected it to be from the title. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, I really want to double down on that point too. I know there are going to be people listening right now who are just like, you can't fucking play that premise straight. And (laughs) you really can. And you did. And, um, Todd salons definitely came up like minutes before we started talking. Cause me and Clark were like, what kind of film parallel can we draw here? And as far as genre, I think I landed that this might be a superhero film. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that before. That that was the whole idea. I mean, my dream is to one day make a graphic novel of this world. You know, I, I, uh, we totally like the graphic novel version of it could just be so much bigger and cooler. And, uh, and great. So yeah, we always had that in mind. Yeah, I mean, um, you got Butt Boy. We could do Volva Vixen. <laughs> That'd be good. Wasn't that a Guar character? <laughs> <laughs> Again, the graphic novel would almost be a parody of graphic novel. You know what I mean? It would be what we did with the movie in the graphic novel world. You know? I I under I totally get what you mean. I can't picture it. Gyno girl. I would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> now. Okay, another discussion me and Clark had. The music. Now, am I crazy or did you credit Feathers? Feathers is our band, our our uh, alter ego band name, Ryan and Ice. I do. Yeah, we all right. So, Tyler, we just, I mean, literally just figured out because we before Russ asked a question, we were looking here as we got our screens pulled up, and we just noticed that you did the music as well. And I mean this with love and respect. Fuck you, yeah, dude. dude fuck off. <laughs> Like, really? <laughs> Dude, the, well, the score's it, well, great. I, I don't want to be that guy either. Literally, I, I hate when, uh, yeah, I wrote and I directed it and I did the That's a nightmare conversation that I never want to be a part of. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just very, Ryan and wrote it with me. So it would be like, 
part of our writing experience was writing the music, if that makes sense. So sure. when you see the scenes when there's slow motion and all that stuff, I would be like, oh, we should write this music could carry this. Everything we want to say right here, music can carry it. And we can make it this visual scene rather than like the whole the gun raid with the cop going through the house yep. and all that stuff. Beautiful. Although that's not our song. That's one of the <laughs> it's not our song. But uh but that just those kind of ideas. Because originally it was, but we ended up using an original song there. So yeah, and the cave when he gets in with the drums coming and all that stuff. So we wrote the music as we wrote the script. And then it uh of course, a few, you know, after after we were in, uh, you know, post production, we ended up writing some songs as well. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's crazy. We actually just got people have responded so well to the soundtrack. It's crazy, more than anything else, almost. And um, we even got like a little record deal from it that we're we're putting out a vinyl of it, which is oh, gonna hell be cool. Yeah. Oh, with yeah. this uh, this Brooklyn this label in Brooklyn called Ship to Shore, which is. They're a great little company. Dude, so. Tyler, I'll tell you, I went down a rabbit hole because I saw Feathers. So I went online and I couldn't find anything. There was, I think the first Google search that popped up is somebody on Reddit who found himself in the same position I did. And they're like, hey, there's this soundtrack to this movie called Butt Boy. Um, they've got kind of like a retro new wave sound and I'm trying to find any music. And then there's nothing. And that was like eight months ago. And then I go on Spotify and I look up Feathers. And there's a band that's like, oh, their claim to fame was Depeche Mode picked them to uh, front in 2013, but they stopped making music and they had a female vocalist. So it's like, what? That was not us. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, you know, I don't know why. I think I'm an open-minded person. But when I heard you say you played music, I imagined you drinking some like holistic tea with an acoustic <laughs> guitar. No. And it's like, oh, okay. But dude, what do you have? Like a micro Korg or something? You're... Man, I fucking hate <laughs> well, you. Well, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no, man. I and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm I'm blushing right now. I uh no, I it's it's not even that. I literally music and film are the only two things I'm I'm decent at, I think. It's my world, it's my life, it's my obsession. It's all I it's all I've ever done. So I think it's just that, you know. I just love the whole thing and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm always, it's just all I think about is music and film. That's it. I, uh, those are the only, I tried to have those be the only two things in my life. So I think that's just, uh, it seems like it's a lot more than it is, but thank you very much. I'm very humbled by it. It's very nice of you to say. I appreciate it. Um, we're being completely honest and I'm sure you must have heard this. I, I imagine your film has to kill at film fest. Yeah, it, it's done really well there. And that was the whole idea. I mean, we sent this initially as a joke. The only festival that was open by the time we were done with the edit was uh, Toronto Film Festival. So we were like, let's just send it in there. And because we were like, there's no way they're going to. They have the Midnight Madness thing, but even this is a little bit too niche and wild for them. So, um, but what happened was the judge from Toronto loved the movie and he's the one who got us in touch with Fantastic Fest. So it ended up working out. Great. So it's just done. It's done great in festivals. And uh, it's really I wish this whole virus wasn't happening because we luckily we did get to see it in a theater with an audience like we sold out for uh, or two nights in a row, like all the theaters it was screening in uh, in Austin, which was crazy because it was just getting buzzed, like I said, from the title and all that stuff. So um, we got to see I got to, you know, that the dream come true. I get to go into all the different theaters and peek in while people were watching it. It was and it was great to see all the different reactions. And we actually had a, um, 
Tim League, who runs Fantastic Fest, he uh, in in the Alamo Draft House, he gave us a theatrical release in all of Alamo Draft House because of the festival and because of Corona, it got canceled. But with that said, I hope in the near future we get to do more theater stuff because it's a lot of fun for a midnight movie. Um, you know, if you get stoned with your friends and go watch it, you know, it's oh, one of those be a great theater it, movie. It's yeah. a blast. A lot of our um. A lot of our like network out here was built out of the Alamo lobby. And nice. I I was thinking the whole time while we're talking, I'm like, dude, this would fucking kill at the Alamo. And yeah. what the fuck are they doing? We we mentioned earlier that theaters are opening up here. I believe in San Francisco theaters are opening, they don't serve food. Um out where we live, we're like ten minutes out. Um you can get food, but the theaters are open and Yeah, what the do you know anything? What's going on with the Alamo? <laughs> Um, I don't know. The only thing I know I've heard, I know they've been dealing with a lot, obviously, and trying to figure out what to do for a while. I haven't personally talked to them because the, um, the distribution company who bought Bup Boy talks to them mostly, but, um, they were doing all this online stuff. Like he put us up on the website there so you could stream Bup Boy from Alamo for a while. Um, yeah. but I don't know what they're doing. No, I don't know. We have one here too. And, um, I haven't heard anything. I mean, they're being really weird about theaters here, but I yeah. would assume maybe he'll be he won't be far behind where you guys are at least, you know. I love those theaters, man. It's just the best. Yeah, and Tyler, no, it's only going to be a matter of time. Your your film's going to have a life. It's too good not to. And oh, I think this is one of those gems that um, you know, guys like us like because you find it and you go, "Oh, now I can show other people." And be like, well, how the fuck you, didn't you know about this? And, you know, Amazon Prime is a blessing and a curse because right. it, it's the only platform that's not curated. Like, it feels in no way curated at all. And it's right. just kind of a wild west of indies and micro budgets. And then, and then there's shit on there that's just really good. Right. Yeah. So well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. It's making my day. It's going to make my week. <laughs> I'm in hell of pre-production right now, so I need to hear this, you know? It's encouraging. Like, it's going to make me not quit, you know? Well, I'll tell you right now, we were blown away by just your fucking YouTube. So, (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you right, that Santa one you have, that's, I'm already banking that. When it comes Christmas time and we... It's going to be in the playlist. When we do a white elephant thing, oh yeah. That's going to be a highlight. There's a couple of, is the, the cocaine one? Oh, I haven't even seen that one yet. I oh, saw the okay. other one where you're sitting on Santa's lap. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the cocaine one's pretty dark. Really <laughs> That's fine. I mean, we show Silent Night, Deadly Night, so. Yeah, that, don't even watch that one. I think, uh, I think Gift Box is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Gift Box. We shot that one after Bup Boy, actually. We oh, really? Like, let's start to do something, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, the, the meat face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or Russ, you got anything else uh, for Dude, Tyler have, before we cut him loose? I have way too much. He's a very busy well, I, man. I'm, all, I'm literally, my, I'm at my girlfriend's house and she's on a call with her company right now. So uh, if you guys want to keep going, I'm down. Oh, that's Clark's oh, that, call. That's a dangerous thing to say I to know. Russell. No, uh, here see, here, our problem is that we have these great interviews. Like, Tyler, this interview is great. We're going to tell everybody it's great. And it's yeah, going to be behind. Well, it's going to be behind two fucking hours of us jerking each other off and talking about, I don't know. <laughs> That's your fault. It is my fault. Thank and I realize. So let's, let's compromise. Um, Tyler, we clearly love you and we're, we're fans for life. Oh, thank you. When your next <laughs> film comes out, you got to come back, though. And we got to talk about it. 
We will. And it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, I'm trying to get another one going beyond this. It's another narrative, sort of, and not the anthology. But this one, uh, I think you guys will really like if you like the tiny stuff. And it's just a, yeah, it's just like a little offshoot. And um, they're, they're a lot of fun. So I think you guys will like them. Okay, one more question. Have you ever done stand-up? Yes. How, yeah. how was your experience with it? You know, I did decently. I have a lot of friends who are stand-ups here. Uh, and it's weird. It's a weird thing. I did all right. Um, like, kind of, kind of quickly, I was doing all right. Like, I was starting to actually, you know, I got out of the open mic stuff pretty fast. And I was starting to book some stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. But there was something... <sighs> And this is no disrespect to you. I, it's, it, again, intimidation. I've always been somewhat of a outsider. I mean, who isn't? Everybody can say that. But um, it's pretty clicky here in L.A. Yeah. And I had a hard time almost like in it. There was just a vibe of non-encouragement. And it wasn't like, you know, in the film world, I've always wanted to do both. But there was just a lot more people you can relate to. And it's just cutthroat. Everybody's trying to get that slot and all that. So, uh no, I stopped. I, I did it. I did it for a while, and uh, I stopped because it would just make me depressed. So, but you you started in L.A. Uh, yeah, I started in L.A. with stand up. It was just one of those things. I was here. I would make friends that were in the stand up world, yeah. and they still are. And I would just be like, they would be like, "Dude, you have to do it." And then, you know, I would do it. I would write some stuff. I did all right. You know, I bombed a bunch, and then started to get decent at it and then i was like i can't do this it's just the lifestyle you know i it's not for me it's not for everybody and i'm such a homebody and oh, i don't really like being Cl- out clark is over much. here glowing hearing you say that i mean i, I we have very similar um experiences <laughs> yeah honestly because i it honestly was i the hours were not my favorite thing about the job uh no. i i'm a morning person i don't think that that is uh would be a very conducive lifestyle as a stand-up comedian. I mean, I did it for three years here. Uh, you know, when Russell met me, I was going up every night. Oh, I was shocked. And yeah. um, you know, it just I just stopped. And when I stopped, I really didn't miss it. And- no, that's how I feel too. There's just an energy. I, I completely agree with you. There's just an energy, and I know that because like, I have so many friends who love it. That's what they love about it. Is yeah. That feeling. Uh, they know they just love being in clubs and all that stuff and like um yeah i just rather be home watching a movie or something you know <laughs> i i hated everything about it except when i was on stage <laughs> that was right. really the only time where i was comfortable and, i mean uh, yeah. you know, obviously you 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 build friendships and you know hanging out um you know is is fine and i, I can i can wrap my head around that but it's just, I mean, I, I did all sorts of hell gigs. I mean, I, I did, I played a nursing home. <laughs> um, God. That would kill, I, you know, it, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about um, what does interest me is filming some sort of new age special, you know? Um, yeah. I really, I really get into art, just different artists and stuff, like musicians and whatever, just anything that it kind of inspires anyone. And, uh, you know, doing a unique stand-up comedy special. But I was just going to say, a nursing home, I mean, not now because of the virus. It would be crazy. But, <laughs> That's true. Um, it would be, be a completely different thing. On YouTube could be great, you know. Dude, did you see Heidecker's special? I was uh, just going to say that. Yeah. I did. Yeah, it was It was amazing. Oh, man. I saw that. He's been doing that character for a long time. Yeah. Um, my, my buddy Austin showed me that for a while. So he really, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, man, it's just like comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where he's clearly doing, you know, 
an impression of you know the road hack comics, but and yeah. really subverting the whole art of stand up. But I think that it's really, really it's a celebration of stand up. It, it, it has how I find it at the end of the day because stand up is what you make it, and that's why I think it's beautiful. And like I have nothing. I still have nothing but love for stand-up, and it, it, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite art form, because I think that it truly is – it's no filter. It's you it's and the, the mic. All you. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is the beauty of it. That's the, all the power to you. Because it's one of those things when I watch. When I watch a good comic on stage, and he's killing, and I'm really enjoying being out, and I'm with friends, and we're all laughing together. There really is nothing better to me than that. I mean, you get somewhat of that if you make a comedy where people are laughing in a theater. Yeah. But there's nothing better than, I mean, obviously, there's nothing better than laughter with your friends. But just the feeling that that gives you on stage, just it's pretty incredible and great when you get it live. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's just the culture, at least in L.A., you know. Um, well, it's no so, better up here. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> because because the culture the culture up here, dude, is you have to get to LA. So it's it's you're stepping over one another to get to LA. So well, not anymore. I mean, LA is like there's nothing going on, obviously. I mean, yeah. It, it's pretty I live kind of close to the comedy store and uh oh. it's uh it's just a ghost. I mean, are, a, are they doing are they doing like parking lot shows? I don't know what they're doing. The sign now says uh, food and drinks and comedy, which is <laughs> which is never which is never said, and I'm like, what the what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like, crazy. Because like, gonna tell us who's there or yeah, no details. Because I mean, comedians are going back out on the road. A lot of clubs are back opening up, but also a lot of comedians are doing these drive-in stand-up shows, which is just bizarre to me. <laughs> I mean, I do realize that a you know, people need to make 50s. a living and be like people need to get out of the house and like try to have some semblance of, of life and interaction. But a stand up yeah. uh, drive in show just does not appeal to me at all. Just a constant reminder of how weird the world is now. A hundred percent. Yeah. Strange yeah. times. All right, Russ, you got anything else? Of course I do. Oh, right. I feel kind of bad about it, though. So, yeah, I just want to. I want to get a uh, Tyler's signature in blood that he'll come back when his new film's out. I a hundred percent will. I love this. Okay. I've done. I I just love your guys' take on it. You guys are my people. It's it's been so great. I'm so glad that we did this. And a hundred percent. And it won't be long. I mean, uh, our goal is to. I mean, it might be like a year. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not that long. No, it's not that long in the grand scheme of doing it. But the, our goal is to have this thing out probably around next halloween-ish because we have to make it still but um yeah totally man i men shouldn't say man men um <laughs> i lo i loved it it was so much fun well tyler is there anything uh, you want to plug website uh, social media anything like that uh yeah for butt boy like you said it's on amazon prime uh i don't know if anybody still buys blu-rays but go to i totally do epicpictures.com they have the blu-ray there's special features on it that are ridiculous but uh uh yeah and then just stay tuned for the next movie through epic and the movie is called tiny cinema by the way that's the name of it so Perfect. i'll say that you know what i got something for you uh because we sat here and we praised your film we just went way overboard just for you yeah. <laughs> you can uh you could write us a two sentence horror story. Oh my! I've God. never pitched that. I've never. So we do a dumb bit. You, you know what? When this comes out, 
you you might be tempted to listen to it. I'm sure you'll bail like a half hour in. But in the beginning, we do a little bit with the we have a theme song that's too spooky for this show. But yeah, honestly, that's how. So we, we've got a, um, a great friend of ours um, who's become a friend of ours through the show, uh, musician Daryl Blood, and that's his real name, Christian name. Um, who who did the score of a horror film, and Russ was like, "This is great," and we got him on the show, and yeah, and so he started doing the music uh, for our show. And he sent us a new theme, and it was great. But <laughs> we've done this show four years, and we so- it started out with a, a focus on horror, but it, it sort of has divulged talked, into yeah. a whole lot of things. And now, uh, you know, Russell brings in this morning zoo atmosphere that we we have for the first two hours of the fucking show. <laughs> um, and so I just felt like that the theme was a little too spooky for what we're going for. Is that we talk about a lot more things outside of horror, so. Uh, because of that, we created a character uh, named Creepy Clark who would read these two-sentence horror stories that Russ found on Reddit. And unfortunately, it's become the most successful bit we've ever done on this fucking show. And now I'm stuck with Creepy Clark. Creepy Clark's now having his own series. But it's it's growing out of control. I just Isn't it wish- weird how it's always those things that do that? Yes. Depressing. It's depressing, but it's also cool, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's like just, yeah, born out of bullshit and it I'll still survives. you guys ask me to do. Just let me know. Dude, write a two-sentence horror story. Okay. Dude, how tight. And, I mean. You have to give me six months. Okay. There we go. That's fine. <laughs> I'll, I will be holding my breath. All right. I'm kidding. I'll send it soon. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, dude. Oh, man. I don't know. We just love you, man. Uh, we'll be in contact. This should go up on Thursday. Thursday, Thursday yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, just shoot me the link over. That would be great. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll send it to some friends. <laughs> Dude, uh, and I promise, I was not playing it up. Uh, we thoroughly loved your film. Well, thank you guys so much. It was This was this did wonders for my ego. So Yeah, I, I, I just want to keep talking to you. Thanks, yeah, I'll, I'll bug you later. <laughs> Tyler, have a good day. Whatever. All right. All right, man. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. You too. Thanks, man. Take care.